1: what's going on in the world today, and you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Ballast, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guest that you'll find anywhere on Internet Radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917 889
3: Just call 888-441-729L or go to Southernsense.com. You know what? Let's make it even more simple than that. You're listening to my show, and it's called Southern Sense, and you know you put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com, and click on the icon for My Patreon Food. All right, and welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense, listening live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, WCET Radio out of Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, the heck with it. There's so many places you can find us at. Just go to the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle. It's Southern Sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick Annie. And today we have a special guest co host because Curtis is on a bit of a hiatus until after the new year. Want to welcome onto the show the one, the only, the handsome, and adorable Yanni. My husband, Yanni, is going to be co hosting with us for a while. So say hello, Yanni. Hello. He left
4: out crippled. <laughs> And also a co-host in training. I'll
3: be lucky if I can
4: step in for Curtis. Oh, man. Well, I'll do
3: my best. Okay. Well, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of great guests. And up to the last minute, they had been changing. It has been so fluid. There is so much going on out there. This has been the craziest year I have ever lived into. Uh, So we've got ourselves a crazy lineup. We have filmmaker Daphne Barak and her, her uh, life partner, Bill Ganassi, starting off the show with us. They have a new film that is just coming out. It's going to be released officially on December 14th. But you can get a sneak peek. And we're going to talk to you later about how you can do that. It's called Trump versus Hollywood. What a fortuitous time to have this. And she's bringing along uh, rapper Money B, Money B. If I can talk straight. Jeez. Uh, Also, Shemaine Nugent, she is a powerhouse in her own right, but she's also, you know, her as the wife of Ted Nugent. And another female powerhouse in her own right, Sam Sorbo, the wife of uh, Kevin Sorbo. And then we're going to have returning Dr. Alveda King. She has a new book out with Ginger Howard called We're Not Colorblind. And then we have a special guest friend of ours, uh, Dr. Kevin Coach Collins, I've known this gentleman for a long number of years. He's the author of The Dirty, Locked Away History of the Democratic Party, How the Alleged Party of the Little Guy Has Been a 200-Year Parade of Crooks, Thugs, Bigots, and Subversive Traitors. Is that not a perfect book to be talking about today? And then we also have Craig Huey. You know him as the host of Huey Report. You see him a lot up on uh, Newsmax. And then we're going to follow with the end of the show with our guest from the heritage foundation, talking about the COVID virus, Dr. Kevin fame. Uh, so we've got a lot to do and a lot to talk about Yanni. I mean, talk about a lineup. Holy cow. And we have a possibility next week of having Dean Cain, uh, Ted Nugent and possibly Kevin Sorbo joining us. We'll, we I'll know more later. Uh, but uh, that's that's what the word is. But we also do know next Friday, uh, we've got NASCAR finals this weekend. So he's coming on because he's going to be participating in NASCAR this weekend. Uh, he is a NASCAR driver. Uh, and he's also a recently promoted lieutenant colonel in the Navy, Jesse Iwigi.
4: What hasn't he
3: done? I've got to get a little closer to the mic. What hasn't he done? Uh this this guy is phenomenal. So next week, I mean, I'm dizzy over literally an hour before going on air, the guest lineup was changing on us. Boy, we have so much to talk about. There is so much. We're going to be talking about uh the election and the hatred of Trump and why we have that there. Um and this is perfect because between Daphne and Alveda King, we're talking about the divide in America. Coach will be talking to us about the current events along with Craig Huey and still the lockdown from COVID. Oh, jeez. It's plenty to do. A lot to do. All right. I'm just going to do a little adjustment here. Okay. All right. Just got to get things in line up here. Anyway, those that listen to the show know that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. But before I do that, I want to welcome everyone that is following us over here on Blog Talk Radio. The chat room is open, WCET, over in Columbia, South Carolina. I'm sorry, there's so many chat rooms, I can't do with them all, so I apologize for those listening at WCET. But we're also over on Facebook Live So feel free to post on either Facebook or blog talk. So as we continue, I'm out of breath. (laughs) We're barely starting and I'm already out of breath. Anyway, um, today's dedication is going to go out to police officer Justin Putnam from the San Marcos Police Department in Texas. His end of watch was Saturday, April 18th of this year. And as I pull up the video... This is from ABC News by Mark Osborne and Ivan Pereira. One police officer is dead and two others were injured in a shooting that was allegedly linked to a domestic violence incident on Saturday, April 18, at night in San Marcos, Texas. The two injured officers were in critical condition and in ICU. They have since been released after they underwent surgery for their wounds, according to the San Marcos Police Department. Officer Justin Pittman, 31, who was killed was a five-year veteran of the department. Fellow officers Franco C. Stewart and Justin P. Muller were also injured in the shooting, and both were in critical condition, but stable following the surgeries. The suspect, preliminarily identified as Perez de la Cruz, 46, also of San Marcos, died from self-inflicted gunshot wounds, police said. Please keep the officers and their families in your prayers, the Combined Law Enforcement Associations of Texas, the largest state police union said in a statement. The incident began when the officers responded to a 911 call about Delacruz allegedly hitting his wife and other people inside an apartment complex in San Marcos which is located about halfway between San Antonio and Austin, police said. Officers with the Hayes County Sheriff's Office and San Marcos SWAT responded to the scene. Sheriff Gary Cutler told the Austin ABC affiliate KVUE. At least one victim was found outside of the home, and other victims were inside with the suspect when officers arrived, according to the police. Dela Cruz, who allegedly had on body armor and is identified as an illegal alien, began shooting at police from inside the residence with a rifle, striking the three officers, authorities said. When cops made it inside the building, they found the suspect dead from the self-inflicted gunshot wound. Texas Governor Greg Abbott said in a statement, Tonight's shooting in San Marcos is a somber reminder of the service and sacrifice our brave men and women in law enforcement make every day to keep us safe. I am grateful for the swift action of the San Marcos Police Department in containing the threat and minimizing the loss of life, the statement continued. I ask all Texans to join Celia and me in praying for the officer killed and for those injured and for the continued safety of all law enforcement officers who protect our communities. We are devastated by the news of the shooting in San Marcos, Texas attorney general Ken Paxton wrote on Twitter. Our thoughts and prayers are with the families and their officers and the Hayes County law enforcement community. As this investigation continues, this office will assist in any way needed from Fox, 7 in Austin by Amanda Ruiz. It had been one week since the San Marcos police officer, Justin Putnam, was shot and killed while on duty. Family has non, now gone from planning his wedding to planning a funeral. They say their brother was so much more than just a fun guy and agree that he was their family's protector so it came as no surprise when he became a San Marcos police officer. He called himself a simpleton. All he needed was like, you know, like a beer and a backyard, said Kelsey Putnam. Blair and Kelsey Putnam say their big brother, Justin, was hilarious. He, was, he always thought the weirdest, most random things that he found so hysterical. I remember he had this cowboy hat. That had a solar panel on the top that would power a fan to cool his head when he was mowing the lawn. Like, who thinks of that, said Blair. They say their brother was so much more than just a fun guy and agree he was their family's protector. He always wanted to protect all of us. And I think that really led him to do what he wanted to do to protect his community, said Kelsey. They say their brother was so proud to be a police officer. It never even crossed their mind that one day they might get a call that would change their lives forever. My mom called my dad, and my dad fell to the ground. And I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? He just said, Justin been shot, said Kelsey. Officer Justin Putten was shot responding to a domestic dispute call. He and other officers were ambushed. Putnam was killed. It's unreal. I was like, we're having a wedding coming up. Like he's got to be alive, said Kelsey. Later this year, Officer Putnam was set to marry his girlfriend of 10 years. Both his siblings were supposed to be in the wedding. To go from planning a wedding in five months. And now, going to have to plan a funeral is just... It's not right, said Blair. The patrol car Officer Justin Putnam drove continues to be covered with flowers, personal notes, and other tokens of affection. Since then, a memorial and procession were held in Officer Putnam's memory, hundreds of people down to pay their respects. It was such a testament to this state as people. Texans are Texans till we die, said Blair. These two siblings say life won't be the same without their beloved brother, Officer Putnam. But say his memory will linger on. He wanted to make people better. He wanted to help people. That was his goal of being a police officer, and that's what he did, said Blair. Because of social distancing protocols in place, Officer Putnam's family held the funeral in a private and made sure he had a proper burial and it in full honor. We lost a fine young man, faithful officer, and a friend last night, said Cleet. Our hearts are heavy as we pray for Justin Putnam's family and for our two officers who were fighting for their life, said San Marco's interim police chief, Bob Clint, at a press conference. And from KXAN, Harley Tamplin quotes Kelsey Putnam's tribute to her brother, and it reads, Justin was the best big brother a girl could ask for. From the time I was born, he was my protector, brother, and took this responsibility as an honor. Joining the police force was no shock for us because it was what he always wanted to do and done, protecting people. He loved his family and dogs so much. His dogs were his babies, and he always tucked them in into his bed next to him to sleep. He was set to get married in November to his fiancée and girlfriend of 10 years. I was so excited to be a bridesmaid and stand up there next to him as he married the love of his life. I never imagined this could happen. He was so strong. Kelsey Putnam. Officer Justin Putnam Stand down You are end of tour And Godspeed We'll take it from here Today's show Is dedicated to Police Officer Justin Putnam It is also dedicated To all the brave men and women out there That serve as first responders Be they law enforcement Firefighters or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all the brave men and women that serve in our military from the birth of this great nation through today and into its great future. And we dedicate to them this song by Todd Allen Herrington, My Name is America. May God bless each and every one.
1: I fought for my liberty. I paid with the blood of my people. Freedom has never been free. Now my doors always open to dreamers and friends. When I'll face without fear
3: And we're back. You're here listening to Southern Sets here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, WCETFM out of Columbia, South Carolina, Facebook, YouTube. Oh, good Lord. Restream. Uh, I don't even know half the places I'm up on, including iHeartRadio. Oh, geez. I'm your hostess with the least most the radio chickadee, Annie, along with my guest co-host, because Curtis is taking a small hiatus. The one, the only, the only one that puts up with me, <laughs> my lesbian, l- lesb- what is that, what word is that I just come up with?
5: <laughs> um,
3: you guys talk into the microphone. What are you
4: going
3: to use on me? <laughs> SOB. <laughs> oh, gosh, Yanni. My husband, Yanni, so patient, so... <laughs> the moment i've got to teach him to lean into the microphone because when you go to talk they're not going to hear you and if you pull it in closer to the end of the desk it's going to fall on the floor so is that a little bit better Is that better oh now we can hear you good about time maybe <laughs> oh i want to welcome everyone that's listening in over on facebook we got the uh, the uh, what do you call it? The comment <laughs> open on Facebook as well as Blog Talk Radio here. So uh, we're trying to get ourselves a little organized, but uh, we've got a lot going on. Again, I want to also welcome those that are listening inside the studio. Remind them that if you'd like to participate in the conversation, please raise your hand uh, by pressing one. But we've got ourselves a fantastic lineup. Um, we have the filmmaker Daphne Barak um She's going to be coming back on. She'll be on with us. And she's got a new movie just released coming out actually December 14th officially, but you can get a sneak peek on it. And we're going to talk to her about that. She's bringing over uh, both sides of the political aisle, those that are uh, Trump haters and those that are Trump lovers. And among them is rapper Money B. And uh, we've got some interesting stuff to talk with him on that issue. Uh, as well as Sam Sarbo. Uh, she is an actress and a podcaster. Uh, she's a fitness guru, uh, also the wife of Kevin Sarbo. Hercules, who doesn't love Hercules, the TV series. Uh, and she was also in that uh, with him. Um, and then we have um, Shemaine Nugent. And again, she also is a powerhouse in her own right. Again, also a fitness guru, uh, NRA member, Uh, she's also the wife of Ted Nugent, Uh, so they'll be joining us on the first part of the show. And then we have Dr. Alveda King, who has a new, along with her own ministry, and it's called We're Not Colorblind, that she wrote with Ginger Howard. We'll be talking to her about what's been going on a lot lately in the nation, as well as discussing her book. And matter of fact, I'm going to have to get a copy of her book and then bring her back. And do a more in-depth interview with that. But I didn't know she had a new book out until like that five minutes before the show. Shame on me. And then we have a friend of mine who's an author. Uh, He's a college professor. He's a former NYPD, a member of the Mensa. Uh, Also a former neighbor of my mom, uh, Coach Kevin Collins. Uh, He'll be joining us. And he's going to actually help co-host the rest of the show uh, alongside Yanni and myself. And then we're going to have Craig Huey, which he has the Huey Report. Really excellent uh, uh, podcast. And you see him a lot up on Newsmax, too. I I have a funny feeling he may end up being a host on Newsmax soon. Um, He'll be joining us. And we're going to close out the show with Heritage Foundation guest uh, Dr. Kevin Fame. And he's going to give the real story and the poop and the scoop behind COVID. So uh, that's what we got going on, Yanni. What do you say to that? It's a great show. I'm talking to the mic. It's a
4: very great show. I'm looking forward to
3: it. Yeah. So, I mean, they're doing the recount, and every time they're doing this count and checking the ballots, it's getting worse and worse. And I actually think it's about time Bob Barr pulls out his six guns and says it's time that we get the federal law enforcement agency involved in making sure we've got a safe uh, election and we've got our first guest in on the line and since i don't i don't know whose phone number is whose i'm just gonna bring the person on and it's my computer there we go welcome to southern sense i'm your hostess, uh, annie the radio chicken d who am i speaking to hello hello yes yes hi who am i speaking to i
0: you're speaking to Daphne and
3: Bill. Oh, hi, Daphne. I'm sorry. For a second, I didn't recognize the phone number. I apologize. How are you today?
0: We're doing very well. Bill is somehow coming to join me, and I think we'll have Manny be on the other line, right?
3: Um, I don't see another caller in the in the studio yet, so we're waiting for him to call in. But anyway. Okay. Um you and Bill have a brand new film that's being released officially December 14th uh, called Trump versus Hollywood. And Oh my goodness. I I watched it twice. Actually the first time I was so tired, I fell asleep before the, the ending. So I turned around and I watched it a second time. And this time I made Yanni sit down next to me and watch it. And wow. you know, it's an amazing documentary. Uh, and if you don't nail everything that's going on right now I I can't think of a single thing that was poignant that you missed. You know, um, it actually must have taken some real chutzpah for you to tackle the subjects on this film. Now, how did you manage to get 24 individuals from opposing sides of the political aisle from different areas of the entertainment industry to open up and speak to you openly on camera while there's a COVID pandemic?
0: First of all, I you have to credit Bill, my other half, and the uh, high uh, because um, when the uh, President Trump and Bill and myself talked about it, we start to start about uh, how Hollywood treats uh, people who use their freedom of speech, and uh, uh, whoops, they actually conservative or support guy should be Donald Trump, and uh, as a first a person came to our mind is a very close friend who is like a father to us, John Voight. Trump always uh, thanks me for bringing him closer to him personally. Of course, he was always a conservative, and he supported Trump before that. Um, And then uh, we thought about Roseanne, who always uh, complained that she was fired from ABC because she said she supported Trump. ABC has a different uh, explanation. But then Bill said, let's come with volume, because if we do four or five people you know, they would say it doesn't represent Hollywood. So we started, we decided to include fantastic people. I know a couple of them are joining you, Annie, later on this hour, but you know, Ted and Shaman Nugent, uh, Kevin and Sam Sorbo, Dean Kane, Christy Swanson, uh, Lorenzo Lamas, Isaiah Washington, um, many, um, Scott Bio, of course. And um, then they. And of course the con- pandemic happened uh we were in pre-production we were in Japan with the leadership of Japan when it came we came back the country was already in a lockdown and we needed to make a decision are we filming or not most all of all the actors wanted us to film because a nobody had a job and you know for an actor or musician if you don't uh get presents what are we having all the Concert, everything was canceled and of course everybody needed a job plus the film crews and everything so we took all the precautions you know social distancing masks even had a doctor on the set at the first few uh we didn't take it uh, lightly at all and we managed to do 25 fantastic interviews everybody's safe and then came uh george floyd and we decided to talk to The very same threaters like Eric B. Money B. is joining us right now. And and basically, uh, yeah, it became a huge production. uh, Two hours and four minutes and uh, a very both side of the eye B, you want to say?
5: But
6: um, you have to to answer your question, really. uh, It's a valid question because everybody who came out, all 24 and they broke their quarantine and came out. So there had to be something, a reason for that. And that reason is, you have to say it, it is Daphne, because like um, one of the leading um, uh, media executives, top executives from the Net television's, a uh, close friend of ours, and uh, she told me how, you know, she knows Daphne with her Michael Jackson, Iza Minelli, Eric Clapton, all those great scoops for the network televisions prime time. Uh, you know, what stood out right now is that her credibility, you know she she's the one that they uh, they trusted. They trusted that there is somebody legitimate out there. and don't forget, Daphne is known to be a Hillary supporter, Bush supporter, or uh, you know, you know she' has been uh, she has been on the scene. Hollywood, everywhere, and uh, she supported Trump and became a Republican, registered Republican, and uh, worked hard. You know, the point is, uh, she has that credibility of, of being, uh, uh, you know, doing the right thing uh, for the right reason, and, and at the end, this project became a project of one America, turning divided America into one. So that concept, uh, was uh, achieved with, with these people at the very beginning uh, from the get-go. That's why they, they all came out and they felt like it's time for one America.
3: Well, I do believe I have Money B on the line. Welcome to the show, sir. Yes, you do. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Right.
3: Oh, it is our pleasure. Um, I When I was going over my notes and trying to think of the questions to ask um, I wanted to know, actually, Money B, this is for you. What was the first thought in your mind when Daphne first approached you? Um,
7: when I found out about the project, and let me start off by saying that I'm,
3: you know, honored to be a part of
7: the, the, the film and the project because I do believe that uh, all voices need to be heard, right? So when, when, it was, when the idea was brought to me to be involved um, you know, first I was a little skeptical, like, okay, what's this about? Um, but once I got in the room and I was made comfortable and like, hey, just speak your truth and, and say what you feel. And that's exactly what I did. Can
0: I interject? Go ahead. Can I interject?
3: Sure,
0: sure. Manny, absolutely, please. A, first of all, be a is one of the people that he met for the first time because some of them like John Voight or Andrea Bucelli or Kid Rock have been long time friends right So you know Brett Ratner Avi Lerner and we became really good friends and we're doing a huge project together right now uh, his, his bio which he will announce but uh, what I love about him he's true to his word I mean when I ask him you remember Annie in Trump versus Hollywood and I have to promote it's out in December 14th all over Amazon, Apple, everywhere but you can go right now to www.fightfor, the number for oneamerica.com. Fighting, I'm sorry, fighting for, numeric for com. So if you remember in the film, I'm asking him, uh, will money be, if instead of me, it would be President Trump sitting here, what would you tell him? And he looks horrified. He said, You want me to talk to Trump? I mean, he didn't really think that it was worth the conversation. And then he said, very truthfully, well, you know, I believe we should talk to everybody, right, Manny B? But he wasn't really keen uh, that Trump would listen. And there was a conversation uh, last Saturday. The president called us uh, after four rallies, right, Money, He will tell you about the conversation. He was really tired, but it was a half-an-hour conversation. And uh, Manny B was true to his word. He didn't fall all over himself. He, he said, yes, it's a beginning of conversation, Trump invited you, right, Mani B., to the White House after the election, which you accepted. And it was very understood. Nobody asked nobody, by the way, Annie, who are you voting for or whatever. It was really, let's start a conversation. Am I accurate, Moneybee?
7: B.? Yeah, for the most part. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was sort of just a, an introduction. And, you know, I told him that I appreciated that he took the time to get on the call but you know i was actually looking forward to a real conversation to see if if you know changes can be made and and if there's any way that we can come together and at least agree that um you know and i'm and i'm i'm paraphrasing of course but you know i'm just interested to to see if, if there is a way for us to become one america again because we're so divided right now it's you know it's crazy
3: well, my question to you is, were you surprised to find that conservatives were willing to open a dialogue conversation with you? Uh, yeah, <laughs> to be honest with you, because that's, <laughs> not,
7: that's, not, what, that's not my experience, you know. Um, from my experience and my interaction with, with people that I know to be conservatives are really like it's their way. Or no way, right? And they don't want to hear it any other way. So you know, it's a it's a eye opening and learning experience for me, right? But I'm but I'm also eager to share my truth and 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 mm-hmm. express you know because I feel like I I speak for a community. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, and what, what that's I, who I represent. Is, is,
3: what I find is that you do have brick walls on either side of the aisle. It's, yeah. I've personally found that if you ignore the brick walls and look for those willing to have the conversation, a lot more gets done. If someone's yelling and spitting in my face, then that's not a person I right? want to have a conversation because they're not going Absolutely. to be willing to even listen. All they want to do mm-hmm. is to attack you. Um, but if, if we live by the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you, and we live by that. I, I, I think the conversation will have a good. What's your thought, sir? Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. You know,
7: I always say, like, you know, the, a lot of people, you know, we we talk at each other, right? So even if we if we disagree, we're not really listening. Mm-hmm. We just wait till the person stops talking so that we can continue proving our point. You know, and if you know, it's a skill to learn how to. Listen, you know, and and really Amen. have em- empathy and and tr- really try to understand, you know, and 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 if if both sides can do that, I think healthy conversations can happen.
0: And well, I, when you I go to, to the,
3: you, go ahead,
0: Daphne. I have to tell you, Annie, and my, I ju- I just listened to the conversation between Mani B, Eric B, Azaya. Uh, president trump bill and myself uh, a couple of days ago and i told him as, as if i predicted what's happening right now which i did actually i said you know mr president i told the money b and uh, i said to him you know money b was a bit reluctant he didn't think he would listen to him so it was really uh, he was very nice it was a good it was a feel-good conversation an opener and I said, you know, but I told him, Mr. President, that whatever will happen in three days, it was three days before the election, right, uh, you represent 50% of the country, at least, whether you win or lose. Naturally, Annie, you know, the president, he didn't like my remarks to win or lose. He said, what do you mean, Daphne? I'm leading here. I'm leading with the black community. I'm, I'm getting Latino. I'm leading in Georgia. It was, you know, very energized. She should have been. But I really meant it. it it's really doesn't matter uh, it didn't matter to me when i this, i suggested to host this conversation and we will go to the white house who is going to win i mean uh, because we are so to america so the division is so strong that uh unless we really you know create a dialogue with the other side and each side biden and trump represent a 50 of america each I don't know. I'm very worried where I was going to go with this. And it has to be, as Money Bee said very wisely, a, a dialogue is not two monologues. The dialogue is something that you listen to me and then I'm listening to you.
3: Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, in an effort to bridge the divide that we see today, uh, Money B, um what type of a message would you like to offer? to anyone and everyone to start the conversation because it's an uncomfortable conversation for a lot of people but it's not going to get better unless we take that first step yeah for me and, and you know and and it's
7: it's I don't know why some people I say some people have a hard time understanding is it feels like when you're you know to ask to be treated fairly just and equal it's like you're asking people to to like it's it's horrifying to some people you know what I mean because what what we really want is equal rights for everyone right and however it is mm-hmm. whether it's uh whether it's you know financially you know financial literacy whether it's um just the way that we're policed or Everything, right? We 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 want to be equal. We want to be. We want everyone to be treated fairly. But it just feels like asking for that is just such a struggle. Like some people just don't want to give that up. As if if we're treated equal, something's being taken away from them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't understand. Like a lot of times, I don't understand what the pushback to that is. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that so horrific? Why is that um, something that people just, you know, treat us equal? If we say that, then we're, we're destroying America. That's and how I was like, and that's,
3: that's how it feels. Go ahead.
7: I'm listening. No, I
3: was going to say I have a friend of mine that whenever he greets anyone, no matter who they are, what walk of life, what race, what flavor, he always greets them as a child of God. We've, I think, a large problem is, is that we've taken God out of our life. We forget that each and every one of us are a gift from God, and if we right. start to treat mm-hmm. each and every person as a that special gift,
0: there's true equality.
3: Yeah,
0: and, and you know that some, uh, I, I read there yesterday the last chapter of Money Being bio, bio, which he will tell you about, and. they there's a couple of things that we, we didn't actually too short. is talking about it in the film Trump versus Hollywood. Like man, He says, like, you know, a policeman is stopping you when you're, uh, when you're a child and you ask, uh, what did I do wrong? And immediately say, oh, of course you did something wrong. And then uh, when you go out of jail and you're on probation, they say you cannot associate people, certain people. But that's the people from your neighborhood that you sleep in the same house or it's the same bed, so it's impossible, right, so we don't think about it, and too short has a very painful um, moment there, then he says, you know, uh, each time, you know how many times I had a, uh, you know, George Floyd uh, moment, a policeman sitting on my neck, and I didn't know whether I'm going to survive, and then after what looked forever, they let me go, because I'm the wrong guy, and there's nothing in writing. I cannot even complain about the incident because there's nothing in writing. And he said each time I've been leaving my home, I was just praying that I wouldn't bump into a white cop that had a fight with his wife or children the day before. You know, if then you know I wouldn't I wouldn't have any chance. You know, so the things that you, I, and many of our, uh your listeners right now. Uh, are not even aware of, and we have to have this conversation and to understand all the sensitivities, right, Manny B?
7: Exactly. And, you know, I was having a conversation, you know, um, and Daphne, you know, Pastor Greg, we had a long talk, and I was just saying that, you know, as children, you know, no child is born, you know, children are born with a clean slate, so everything that a child, you know, as we as we become programmed, it's something that we're taught, but something that we learn, right? So you don't, you know, you're not born as a, as a baby thinking that you don't like this person or that person because of this reason or that reason. It's what we learn, is what we see, and how we're raised. And I just think that you know it starts here. Like in in our lifetime, it might not seem like there's a a a, a big change can be made, but if our children see the attitude shift, then they are better, and then their children are better. You you know what I mean? So I'm not I'm not delusional to think that we can have one meeting or one conversation, and things are just going to be. okay. if we all decide that it's worth working
3: with each other, then we can move in the di-
7: the right direction.
3: Well, i, I want to give a little perspective from a, a very personal uh, experience. Uh, because, Money I I don't know if that Daphne told you, but I happened to be retired NYPD. I worked at Bushwick, Williamsburg. Okay. And okay. There, I would say 99% of the cops out there are good, honest, hardworking people. There are the Believe 1% hairbags that give the rest of us a bad name. And one of the foot posts, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Brooklyn at all. Uh, I've been there. You know, I've never okay. lived in New York. Okay. Well, there was uh, in the area that I was, which was near the uh, G line, um, okay. not too far off of flat avenue. Uh, one of the footposts I had was on a street called Graham Avenue, and there was like a a local, like a not exactly a five foot dime, but like a a mini market type of thing. And outside the mini market were these two children's uh, mechanical toys, like the horse and the buggy, whatever. And the kids took a yeah. quarter for the kids to sit on it. And one of my favorite places to stand was right outside that store because there was a lot of shoplifting. So my being there was a deterrent. But I can't tell you how many times I saw a parent walking in or out of the store and the child would would eye those mechanical devices. And you see the, the, the want in their eyes. And the parent goes, no, I don't have enough money. What I did, I carried quarters in my pocket. And when I'd see that, I would say, "Ma'am, sir, you know, I'll watch them quarter, put the quarter in the machine." And so the parent came out. I'd feed the machine. You know, that's what policing should be. But unfortunately, exactly. it' us versus them mentality, and unfortunately, we've gotten away from policing with the community to policing the community. And I think that's where right. a large part of the conversation has to be. So it, that means that community leaders must go to that police chief or that elected official and say, listen, it's time to sit down and time that we police with the community instead of policing the community. And and I have a question
7: as well. You know, from what I see, like how do we get away? You know, because police, from what I understand, is police, you always have to have your, your fellow officers back, right? So like you said, there's probably more good cops than bad, but when bad cops behave badly the good cops have to have their back so th- what does that make them or
3: how do we you know no, no no i disagree with you on that one completely okay that is when the cop goes to the command's integrity control officer and sit down mm-hmm. in a, a confidential conversation and state their concerns And before I retired, because I was injured in the line of duty, I worked with the integrity Mm -hmm. control officer. What we need is wherever that police command is, ask them, do you have an integrity integrity control officer? That uh, officer can go in confidence and say, hey, listen, I observed X, Y, Z, or I heard X, Y, Z. And that way that integrity control officer can monitor that officer behavior and determine if there should be a disciplinary action or not and this is what right, we have to do but what institute.
7: about what about in the act while it's happening because you can do that afterwards but let's just mm-hmm. say for instance you are yeah. a a a police officer you you really are a, a good cop but your partner has his neck on him, his his knee on the neck and the guy is dying under him but you just stand by because that's your training that's your partner. Training. You don't want them to do Tra- it
3: but you can't you can't
7: stop them in front no. of other
3: people. No, that's that's called training. You then turn around and the cops have to learn if you see a situation like that, I don't it, whether or not it's a partner or not, training, 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 drill it into their heads on yeah, the right thing to do. As simple as mm-hmm. that.
1: hmm And I'm and i every, every, you know.
3: every command knows who the hairbags are. And it's a matter of pointing them out and separating them from the rest of the herd. Mm-hmm. And these mm-hmm. are
0: the conversations that I felt I wanted to have in the in the film, yeah. because you know we started it in one way, but of course we don't live in a bubble. And then George Floyd happened, and of course I knew that there had been racism before. Don't forget, not only in America when I was in my 20s, I did the famous interview with Nelson Mandela, the president of this of South Africa at the time, who said third of his life has fought for equal rights uh, and there um, are friends of mine until today I mean his grandchildren and uh, basically so I had asked about racism when we talked about when we started to film but of course when George Floyd happened not that we didn't know about it before we had cases before but I guess because we were locked down and we were all glued to the television and these nine minutes which were longer than anything were, were so horrific I think it brought a much-needed conversation. And in a funny way, nothing is funny about it, but in a, in a sarcastic way, I said uh, to people who said to me, how can you be a friend of Donald Trump? And by the way, I'm not his base. I'm, I'm a longtime friend. I, I think he did some fantastic things like the uh, prison reform and stuff. And I'm not completely uh, thrilled about his rhetoric, and, and he knows that. Uh, but, but on the other hand, I said, maybe we needed a Donald Trump, I said to people who asked me. So in your (laughs) face to bring this conversation because, you know, because he's so not politically correct and he says what is in mind, as Eric B. said, you know, he made this money, he could say whatever in his mind. I mean, he just brought all of us to discuss these things that was there somehow hiding, but we never uh, brought it, you know... Uh, to the to the headlines, it came for one day. You remember, there's so many. There was a, I can't breathe. Was well, there was a, tra- a very tragic case in New York, as you remember, a few years ago. But it came and went, came and went. And this time, because Donald Trump, because we are so divisive into two Americas, and one half of the country is so, as we said, I can shoot somebody in the Fifth Avenue, and they would support me, and the other half, of course, uh, is the other side. Maybe he's very blunt and, and the blunt style and the in-your-face brought us to have this uncomfortable and much-needed conversation. So I'm saying it in a sarcastic way, but I mean it. Well,
7: you know, and I'd also like to ask a question in, in you guys' forum since since we're here, because I was having a conversation with, with one of my close friends, and what we couldn't understand is what is so attractive about that man, to where you can turn a blind eye to things that we obviously see. You know, we see where he's not always telling the truth. We see misogyny. We see the the, the cheating. We see the, the the criminal accusations and and everything else. But what is it about it that that people can just say whatever? He's my guy. You know, forget everything else that we can obviously see that that's happening but we
3: support them blindly because of what? And that's
7: what I don't understand.
3: Everyone has baggage. Everyone has history. No one is a saint. Matter of fact, you know, uh, St. Paul was Saul before he was St. Paul. You know, he was one of the worst Mm -hmm. sinners. Uh, But we we turn around and we look for redemption. We give forgiveness. Um, He does not always speak, as Daphne says, uh, with finesse. Uh, sometimes some right. of the things he comes up with, just kind of like take a step back, but look at it in perspective. I saw people playing clips of his statements, but then when you go back and you go to the whole entire conversation or the whole paragraph, it's been mm-hmm. twisted. And unfortunately, our media, as we call it the fake news now, has been twisting <laughs> things around, taking it out of context. And as for these allegations, we're finding that people were actually hunting for him and turning things around and telling lies about him. Now as to his fidelity at with his current wife, he seems to be quite you know, quite happy and quite true. You know, my husband was married three times before. (laughs) It doesn't make him a bad guy. He finally got it right. As I said, it's a home run. First base, (laughs) second base, third base. Hey, he tagged home run with me. And maybe Melania is that home for him. You know, I, I don't always look for the bad in people. It's when someone does something bad directly in front of me and I say, okay, that's the gotcha moment. But I'm not really seeing a true gotcha moment when you look at what he's done to raise the unemployment rate across the board. Never had unemployment numbers be so low for black and women. For the first time in history, women equaled men in employment at 3.4% before the pandemic hit. It never has been that good. And how he's, he's put more money into the economy, how he has done prison reform, how he has brought God. Back into the country and the White House. You know, these are the good things I see. And he's Mm -hmm. built up our military, made us stronger in the eyes of the rest of the world, brought jobs out of India and China back to the United States. These are the good things I see. So if he flubs and he on Twitter a little bit too much, um, I'm going to say, wait a minute, dude. And I'll say something. I'll say, hey, I don't think that was too cool. So let's get back to, well, on track to what we really need to do and just hold off on that for a little bit.
7: Yeah, nobody's hundred percent bad or hundred percent good, but you know, and if I've if I've if I've missed it, you know, correct me, but have we ever seen him admit to doing anything wrong?
0: Can I interrupt something, Billy and I want to interrupt I, I have a Sunani B and sure. I also have an a remark. First of, of all, remember. yeah. Okay, and, and, but first of all, uh, okay, but well, just one question. First of all, I have a in life, and I am very fortunate to have met, as we say, everybody, from dictators to royals to everything. I never make an opinion about anybody before I meet him or her because then it's a third party, even if you see them on television and everything. So first of all, when you, yeah. when you, when you talk to him, Mani B, and you see he knows how to be charming, although he was very pirate. So I said, right. uh, so now you're coming with me and Bill to the White House, we should invite Annie as well. So you so will see yeah. that now. And uh, so, okay, so now Bill
6: wants to say something. Well, cut, cut that Daphne's that, comment right now, that where you left <laughs> Annie, you asked that question. The point is you guys came to a, you ended the debate in a sense and you posed the question, uh, both Manny and uh, Annie together. Now, the question is, you you are asking many, he lies and he does this, he does, you know, whatever, all those things that you said, right? Now, what did I do? I wrote this book in 2019. Why did I write this thing, book, this book? You know, I don't write books. I decided to write it. I wrote it and it was acknowledged, uh, whatever it's for. The point is that this guy, this president, did, mm-hmm. I, I felt that he did a number of things. I know the Clintons, I know Bush, I know Obama's, right? Because of Daphne. Yeah. And I know that they did not do, neither one of the three, one of the two of them are Democrats, neither one of the three did good for America in the past 24 years. That's why I started to write this book. I said, hold on a second, I'm an American. I became an American in 2012. This is my country. And why everything is bad here, it's worse. Who is to blame? I said, these three presidents to blame. So when this uh, Trump, as an American, as a Yankee, as a whoever he is, right, good, bad yeah. out- personality-wise, uh, I'm not talking about uh, what he said, how he behaves, character, and all that. I say, hold on a second, somebody has to protect me. I, somebody has to protect me as a new American citizen against other countries, because we, we live in this country, we are divided into countries. This country belongs to us, and there is one hundred and ninety two other countries that are fighting for the same thing, same resources and everything. Somebody has to fight for me. So when I looked at it, I said, "Hold on a second, this guy, uh, however his brush and everything else, is doing so much good for me as an American. He's taking care of me, and whether it is against China, whether it is the wall against it, uh, Mexicans, you know, let's say against them personally. The, the point is that nothing against any other country. It's, it is for my interest he's doing it. He's just trying to make it good. So I looked at it that he does. 85% is good. When I compare with Bush, Obama, and uh, Bill Clinton, what they have, they are doing only 20% good for America. Why this guy is doing 80%. So I said, good, I'm for Trump. You know, if there is somebody else comes in tomorrow the same way, uh, who does the 80% foreign policy, we are talking about our fight against the other countries, right? It's an international system. It's, an, uh, it's not a fair system. You have to fight there. So this guy has done so much for us that the other three didn't do. That's why, good, here's my vote on that end. And let the let the next one do the same thing. Then I'll vote for him too. I will be for him. Now the domestically, all the issues that you guys were debating, I'm all you know. I'm all a good listener. I I agree with you guys. So, everything you know, we are on the same page. But uh, but he he did something that the other ones didn't do. So he gets that respect. He has to get that uh, as as a credit for himself.
3: Well, I'm going to bring on our next two guests. Money B., do you want to hang out or do you need to run? Um,
0: I do I said, have to I jump, mean, but I'm just
7: enjoying the conversation. I like, I like it listening. But, um, you know, I just want to I say, mean, but you know, say, you know, appreciate, to them appreciate
0: them you guys. Money B., say what? hi to them. They're both in the film.
3: Okay. Oh, yeah, Money B., hang up. I'm sure. All right. I'm, I'm going to bring them on one by one. And then we'll You're get to talk to the fans. Let me let me bring them it's on. Set. All right. Uh, yeah. Stay on the line. The I will. All right. All right. right. We've got You're the first one on, so light. I don't Which which one's which. So to whom am I speaking? This is Shemaine.
2: Hi, Shemaine. Shemaine how are you doing? Hi. Hi. I'm well, thank you.
3: All right. Then this other one has to be Sam. Let me bring her on. Come on, my computer's Sam a little Sorbo stubborn. Here. Hi, Sam. So we got Sam Sorbo and Shemaine Nugent joining in with Money B, as well as Daphne Barak and Bill Ganasty. And if anyone doesn't know who I am, I'm the hostess with the least (laughs) most, Annie the (laughs) Chickadee, along with my guest co-host today, my husband Yanni. Say hi, Yanni.
4: Uh, Hello, everybody. Hi, Yanni. We heard so
0: much about. And Money B, you've seen the film. You've seen the film. My. my favorite uh, part with Sam Sorbo, then she said, oh, you love, you love Chinese so much, so go and hug a Chinese, right? It's just amazing, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> yeah, Johnny, and the only thing so... is I don't... Yeah. And um, you're so... I, and I,
0: did, just want... you're so...
4: Yes. I just wanted to ask hey, one can thing. Can I... Uh, Def... Go ahead, Daphne, Jeme... I'm sorry.
2: Okay, and I just Jeme... wanted to say... I just wanted to say hello to Money B um, because my son is a big fan of yours. He is a rapper, and I don't know if you know this, Money B, but my husband is rock and roller Ted Nugent, who is in the film. Oh,
7: yeah. <laughs> he was great He was great in the film, too, as well. I, I enjoy yes, it. Yes, thank you. Hearing his perspective, for sure. Uh-huh. But uh, definitely uh-huh. tell your son I said hello.
2: I will. Thank you. I'm sure he's listening right now. His name is Rocco.
7: Mm-hmm. Rock, so, very nice. <laughs> what up, Rocco? Keep rocking. rapper? What up?
0: Rocco the Right, <laughs> exactly. Shaman is the other beautiful uh, half of play, Ted Nugent. They hosted uh, Bill and I uh, at their uh, 300-acre ranch in Texas during pandemic. Uh, it was a very, very uh, uh, experiential day. And Ted is very passionate, right? And Shaman has her own yeah. podcast. Uh, so it was really, as you said, Annie, to, to film uh, Trump versus Hollywood was really uh, during COVID and during violence. Uh, on one end, uh, we were spending this time with uh, Ted and Shaman, and uh, Shaman was telling me, oh, well, we haven't left the, the farm, uh, with the ranch, for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. So I haven't done manicure. She's beautiful, by the way. I haven't done a manicure oh. or whatever. I mean, they, they were isolating uh, completely. And uh, Kevin and Sam we saw in Florida while the looting and the violence after uh, the tragedy of George Floyd was happening, curfew. They stole our car when we landed. It they stole ready. your car. I, yeah. I Crazy the it was very, very. And uh, uh, basically so, and Moneybee uh, brought, brought his father who was legendary, you know, uh, one of the uh, black panthers in Oakland to our home. Uh, so, I mean, we really made a new friend, which was really uh, quite a, quite something, right? Um, yeah, my dad, so dad we, loves um, you guys. I'm
1: right?
3: I'm sorry. What was that? No, I just said my dad yeah, loves I'm you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Oh, you, you know, she, she mentioned my
7: dad, and yeah. I just said, you know, my dad really enjoyed hanging out with uh, Bill and Daphne.
0: Exactly, We're, he's going to be invited again. Yeah, they're really yeah, exactly. He Loves my I husband's cookies. I think all you guys, all of you guys
2: are going to have to come cat. to our ranch in Texas and hang out. yeah, oh, yeah.
0: exactly. And, and <laughs> Shemaine, I have to, I have to tell you, she's beautiful. But she is very, very uh, multi-talented. We saw a beautiful carpet um, on the floor. It was their show. I said, what is it? It's a zebra. She said, yes. Zebra. Uh, yeah. I, I killed it with an arrow. I said, oh, my God. Can you imagine? I yeah. Mean- <laughs> you know what? Daphne, you
2: brought up that, you know, during COVID, during the shutdown, we, our lives didn't change at all because we've always lived a, a hunting lifestyle. Now, it's not for everybody. But during these times when, if you've got to rely on somebody else to provide your family with sustenance, then you might want to rethink, you know, how you go about uh, these next few days and weeks and months and years. I mean, there's so many uncertainties in the world today. Mm -hmm. And as hunters, we're on the board, Ted and I are on the board of Hunter Nation with Don Trump Jr. And we are encouraging people to vote and hunters to vote because typically, The hunting industry, the hunters have sat back. their their hands Their hands are on their their butts are on their hands, and they haven't voted. And and I think what this uh, has done, and what you've done, Daphne, is awaken the sleeping giant. A lot of people are coming out of their shells. They're voting and they're being proactive. Yeah, and a lot of
8: people who never thought that they would are going and getting weapons. And, and uh, people who really don't have any interest in gun ownership per se are getting concerned enough to go and um, buy weapons. And, there's a, a, of course, there's a run on ammunition right now. And, you know, T- Ted and you are obviously very pro Second Amendment, pro-weapons, and, um, yeah, it's, there's a, there's a shift in the culture that's happening right now that I think Daphne's film really puts its
2: finger on. Mm-hmm. There really there well, is, I wanna...
3: Sam. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to make a point because, you know, you, you guys have the ability to do the hunting and everything. There's some of us that are in the urban areas, and I think Money B can relate to this, where we they don't know how to be self-reliant. We have our government officials telling us, You have to depend upon us. No. We need to depend upon ourselves and then hold them responsible for what we hired them to do. You know, I'm someone that, you know, my parents grew up during during the the Depression. And for some reason, they've got it locked into my head that, you know, you don't wait until you're down to your last paper towel to go to the store to get the paper towel. You stock up. You know, I'm someone that I buy my Patriot food. I stock up on it. So I'm telling people, go to my website, click on Patreon, and uh, buy some stuff to stock up. But I I can sit in my house for the next two months and not hit the grocery store. But we, we have to teach people, once again, the founding principles of being responsible and self-reliant. Don't wait for government to do this for us. Because we're going to wait until hell freezes over to get them to move something. Come on we can't even get our mail from the post office and we're going to rely on them? Yeah. They wave no, the almighty what, dollar in front of they, us and say, this is the reason to vote for me because I'm going to give you cash. No, I'm going to earn my cash. I'm going to have my job and I'll decide how much tax I'm going to pay you. Don't you tell me how much tax to pay. I'll tell you where my dollars go. Don't you tell me where my dollars go. And that's what we have to get back down to. And I think once we do that, we can bridge any divide in our society because everyone will understand and be on the equal same page They're, because they've been there and right. they've done it.
8: But you understand well, that our society up. that and, and our our politics are now overrun with people who disagree with you vehemently and are willing to commit violence in order to get their way. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's partly the Communist Party, baby, so... And the commies are all about, let the government do everything for you. And then pretty soon, when the government is responsible for everything, you get nothing. And, but that's what people don't understand. We've been educating our children that socialism is grandpa with candy for years. And uh, so now they think, that they, they think that they have a right to demand free everything from the government, as if somehow the government is a money-making uh, endeavor. It's
2: not. It's a money-collecting endeavor.
8: And where is it getting the that's money? Right. It's
2: getting it from you guys. Yeah. Free doesn't mean free. Free means that somebody else paid for it. And, you know, it, you're right. I mean, we, there is a run on, on guns and on ammunition because people are waking up to that fact, especially with the quarantine. That was a perfect opportunity for us to realize, wow, maybe we cannot rely on our local grocery store for everything. And the more yeah. that we return to the values that this country was founded upon, the more we realize that president trump is our guy he is looking out for us he is not part of the the cabal and part of the part right. of the unbelievably corrupt system that has taken over and trying to take over so you know uh, thank
3: you definitely you, for- you
2: know what
8: i yeah what i love about the movie is it is it's trying to bring people together but it does make the point that the great divider is not this president the great divider is the democrat party that seeks to divide and conquer and i think that as soon as we start to realize that there might be some there might be some place for us to go and try to join forces and understand that we all want a successful nation we all want america to be successful except for the people who want america to fail and they shouldn't be invited to the party frankly
3: well, I know, Money it. B. Let me let me I bring Money B back uh, in. I know he's like, yes, the a bunch of uh, so you're still so yeah, with us. Probably, probably scared. He has that four women screaming and he's <laughs> Are you there, yeah.
0: Money B? Money. Yeah,
3: yeah, I, I can hear. Yeah. All right. So, so I, I'm going to ask you this question because I know you got to leave soon, and I'm going to ask you also where right. people can find your music uh, and get in touch with you. Um, But how do you address these issues in an urban setting where it is so easy to turn around and say, well, I've got my welfare check coming in and I've got my Section 8 housing, uh, so I don't need to work? How do you turn around and make people self-reliant so they don't have to worry about government saying, well, we're running out of money here. Well, the Social Security is going to go dry. We're not going to have any money left for Medicare. So we're going to cut benefits. So how do you change that mindset so that the person is self-reliant, is proud to be self-reliant, and becomes an asset to the community? Um, from my perspective, it's really about
7: giving the opportunity, right? Because I don't, nobody that I know that I've – Grown up with and I do come from the inner city wants to be on welfare or wants to sit around and wait for a check. You know, we all want to be self-reliant and we all want to get out and do things for ourselves. But if there's, if the opportunity is, 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 is not present, what can you do? Does that make sense? It's like, you know, you can't like say for instance, uh, I, you know, I'm a musician, right? Um, something happens and I I get in trouble, and then um, I'm told like, hey, you can't you can't work because you've been to jail, or, you know, because you live here, or because you do this, or you look like this. Just the opportunities opportunities aren't given to you. So what can you do? I mean, there are a lot of. Uh, oh, a lot of a lot of roadblocks, man. It's just like, it's not as easy as saying like, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna go out and I'm just gonna go work," because there there isn't such thing as discrimination,
3: and it happens. Well, you know, there's, there's there's something that really breaks my heart. And you know, sure. when I when I first hit the streets straight out of the police academy, and prior to doing that, um, I had owned my own business. I had managed businesses. I left American Express Mm. climbing the corporate ladder because I felt there was more in life and I wanted to help people. But when I got to Bushwick, Williamsburg, there were still buildings devastated from the riots of the 70s. And people don't understand Mm -hmm. when you destroy your own neighborhood, you tear down those very stores that your aunt and uncle or your parents may own or your brother and sister may own. You take away those opportunities. And it takes decades for the community to try to start to, to come back to health. And I'm looking at buildings that were burnt out at least 20 years before still empty. So they're destroying their own neighborhood when they do these ridings. So you know, it, it breaks my heart. and says you're killing your own people. Why are you doing this? So, you know, well, if you what, destroy your well, own would, would you stop and think that
7: what would make somebody so frustrated that they would do that? Why would
3: you do it you to your it? own? That's my question. If you're frustrated and angry, then speak out and grab your elected officials and say, "Listen, we've got to change this and turn it around." If but do you, you, have you don't with think
7: the, that you don't oh, think that that has been attempted? It's, it's 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 attempted. We cry out. We we say, "Hey, listen to us. Hear what we have to say." And when we when we feel like you know any you have children. Right When your child feels like they aren't being heard, they act out as a last resort, they, they cry, they bawl, they, they throw a tantrum. you know they can ask, they can ask, and you, when, they, when, they, when you're not being heard, you have to do something to to get the attention. And so it's you know, you know you don't wake up one morning and be like, "Hey, you know what? Let's just go tear up our neighborhood for no reason." That's when, not the first like that's not that's not the first that's not the first option that's not what we think first. What we say, you "Hey, listen to money, us. Sure. Money B, what do you
2: think what do you think that the the solution is?
7: It's I don't know. <laughs>
2: that's, that's, <laughs> you that's, know what? you know it's, when it's complicated.
7: I, it's not, it's not there's not one what there's not one answer for that.
2: There's not one it No, is. you're right. But you brought up, you know, parenting and, and having kids and, you know, whenever there was a, a problem in parenting, whether my son was, you know, getting, we were at a restaurant and he was getting fidgety, I would pick him up and take him outside and distract him and change the environment. And suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, things, things were able to change. And one of the things I got to tell you about the hunting lifestyle, I've never appreciated more now because of the lockdown and everything, because when you become self-sufficient and you don't just mm-hmm. go to the grocery store and spend five or ten dollars, I don't even know how much meat is, but you are reliant upon just a bow and arrow, a sharp stick for your dinner, yeah. you know, things, things really do change. And mm-hmm. you're, you're also out with nature and you're smelling, you know, clean, fresh air and you're watching things like a sunset or a squirrel jumping from treetop to treetop, it changes the environment. It changes your perspective. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying that's the the answer, but sometimes changing the environment or their perspective is, is one little thing that might be able to help.
3: That's an interesting thought, you know, because I'll tell you from another personal experience, I had a, a, we called him an adopted brother. Um, uh, Annie, it was I'm sorry to interrupt. My brother's best friend, I, I, but it's, uh, we changed his environment. i got to jump off. Okay. All right, Money, where can people so find I, you? I'm on Instagram, at MoneyB69. That's the simplest way. And, and you, they can get you music and, and chat with you and everything?
7: Yep. Everything that I have going on, you can start there and then branch out from there. But I appreciate you guys taking the time and having me on the show. And I enjoyed speaking with everyone. Well, God bless you. And keep up the good
3: work, sir. All
7: right. Hope to talk soon. Thank you.
3: God bless. All right. All right take care. Bye. All right. And I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to mention that, you know, I had um, an adopted brother. He was in a Forster home. And this woman took in so many Forster kids. You know, they didn't even realize He was no longer coming home after school for about six months. And finally, my mom turns around and calls the foster mother and says, by the way, did you know that Butch is with us? She kept on collecting the money from foster care while he ended up for the next several years growing up and living in our household. And the kid was black. We changed his life by accepting him into our life and changing his environment. I I think that there is a big say, but we also have to make them change their own environment. You know, don't let them leave in the street. Don't let them, you know, sell drugs on the corner. You know, if you change your own environment, you bring businesses in. You increase property values. You get a better quality of life. Yeah, you have to be the change you want to
2: see. And it's hard it's hard when you're in an environment that's constantly, you know, negative and you, and you look for, and you do see those signs of discrimination. I can imagine it's, it's very difficult, but it is, you know, for me, prayer is huge when everything is, you know, that's going on in the world right now. I just posted a video yesterday on my um, Facebook and Instagram also about, you know, having faith. And rather than looking at the negative side of this, choosing faith over fear is big and you know it's one place that you can start and sometimes it's just those little things that can make all the difference in the world
3: it is and we keep on losing Sam she keeps dropping in and out so hopefully she'll pull back in for the last minutes of of this segment Uh, but we have to start that conversation somewhere and Daphne you have a good start to the conversation we lose Daphne now? <laughs> Look at they're all Well, I'm here. <laughs>
9: <laughs>
3: you know, um, what made you decide to get involved in this project?
2: Uh, to, are you talking to me? I'm not sure who else is online. This is Shemaine.
3: Yeah, I, I, I realize that you're still on because I think Daphne must have. <laughs> I, I mean, they're dropping like flies. That's how good my show is. Oh, they're dropping like flies. It's just me
2: and you, girl. Um, you know, it's, it's really the, my husband that's involved in this project. And I do, I am a huge, you know, I will tell you one really prominent thing that has changed for me. And I wish Money B was here to, hear, to hear this. Because when I saw Kanye West coming out with his gospel album and speaking out about Trump and going to the White House and wearing the red MAGA hat that changed things for me because I've always been a conservative and Christian and, but I've been, I, when I went to the white house years ago and had dinner with president Trump, my husband and I, I got hate mail and death threats when I posted photos of that. And so I backed off. And then when I saw Kanye West posting about that and I thought, wow, can you imagine how difficult it was for him to step out and to be the change? And I, that's when I really, that's that's what changed things for me when I flipped that switch and I started posting more about my faith and more about president Trump.
3: You know, it, it takes a lot of courage because you face cancel culture. Uh, you face blacklisting. And it's, it's sometimes most people are afraid to take that step forward. And for the longest time, I didn't have any bumper stickers on my car uh, until someone totaled my car recently and I head on. So I said, "The heck with it! I'm putting the stickers on." So I've got two stickers on my tail. It says, <laughs> "I stand the flag," and the other one's "Making liberals cry since 2016," and it's Trump waving. So <laughs> I find that's awesome. It. Yeah, so you know, I, I'm I've hoping, learned a lot. I've,
2: I've learned a lot from I'm watching my husband, back. who isn't.
3: Pardon me. Oh, she dropped again. That probably was Sam. No, <laughs> oh, I'm here.
2: Thank
0: I'm here. I'm here. Yay! I'm here. I'm here. I was there. I, was, I listened to the whole conversation. It's a great conversation. Oh, that's oh, Daphne. Hear me? Daphne Sam,
3: yeah, we we got you, Daphne. But Sam keeps on dropping in and out. There must be something with her phone line. But, uh, Shemaine, you were saying, you know, about your husband.
2: Yes. I, I've learned a lot from watching him take it and take it and take it like President Trump has. He has a lot in common with President Trump. You know, President Trump has just been bombarded with criticism from mainstream media and the people who only watch mainstream media aren't getting the whole truth. And I've, I've seen the lies about my husband and I've seen him literally laugh at his haters and it fuels his fire For me, when I first started seeing that, it hurt me, and I I didn't like, you know, I was very defensive, and he encouraged me to, you know, grow grow thinner skin or thicker skin, I mean, and and not let it bother you, but rather let it buoy you, because everybody's not going to like you, and that was one thing, you know, that was a little bit difficult for me. I I always try, I'm a people pleaser, I like to please everybody, and I like to make people happy, but now I realize you
0: just can't do that,
3: and that's a huge amen
0: And that's the problem there of President Trump because I know him for years since I, I was since Rupert Mar- Murdoch brought me to America when I was twenty, and he is a people pleaser. He is very, and I'm not saying it yeah. God forbid, uh, uh, criticizingly, because we all love to be loved, don't we? And we yes. don't like rejection, but he really takes rejection very badly and punches back. And then people punches him three times, and that creates uh, you know a toxic atmosphere. Uh, and that's a shame because he's done great things. And as I said, there are some things I don't like, like his red but he's done great things. And I, um, you know, I definitely say proudly that I've been a long time friend of him, am a friend of him, uh, but. Uh, what I love about Chimaine and Ted Nugent, um uh, Anit you and your uh, uh uh audience, they're very interesting couple. Like why he's so passionate and as she said he doesn't care what people think. He has his own truth. By the way, my 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 film, Trump versus Hollywood, my film editor is a very known uh film director that because of course nobody had jobs, I had the best people uh Oscar nominee, is doing my sound and color correction, and he has been my editor and became a friend. He is a liberal, and, you know, Bill, my husband, and I got a little bit at the beginning sensitive because Bill reminded him it's Daphne's film, you know, uh, but we became very close friends, and uh, he actually called me and he said, I'm looking at all the footage, all the footage, and I love Ted Nugent. He's so... knowledgeable about her, his conservatism, you know, he's not only a conservative, he knows his stuff, he was so impressed, as you see how we edit him against Mark Geragos, Mark Geragos is one of the most powerful uh, attorneys in Hollywood, uh, represent, but left wing, represent Colin Kaepernick, very good friend of my husband and I, my husband and him uh, don't agree about anything, as you understand, but Mark Geragos (laughs) knows his stuff on the other end, so to put Ted Nugent, who is so knowledgeable, he has his arguments so well articulated, back and forth with Mark Geragos, I think it worked. Don't you agree, Annie?
3: I do. I really do. But, Shemaine, I want to bounce this off of you because, you know, I do have some liberal friends, and I've, I've gotten into conversations, but the one thing I've always learned, you treat the person with utter respect and dignity whenever you do. No matter yes. what they yes. say or how they say it, you just return it with you know, dignity. But what we're seeing today, and I think a lot of it has to do now with the new technological age we have, we have people being separated. It's more important for them to be on their smart device. They don't have a face-to-face conversation. There is no interpersonal uh, uh, interaction it's like when we were growing up. And people forget that the person next to you that you're screaming at is as human as you are and is as real as you are and has wants and needs as much as you do. When you take that off the table, I think that is the main cause of what we are seeing. And now the isolation of COVID is making it even worse.
2: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I, and I worry for our children because the, the face covering it's, if you think about it, it's preventing our kids from seeing, you know, real people, real smiles and on faces, nobody looks at each other anymore. Nobody talks to each other anymore. I mean, you can't, you got to be six feet apart, but I, 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 do agree with you. I think that, you know, it's, it's difficult to please everybody. And I do have a couple of friends who are liberals and, you know, you, as much as you can say, let's treat everybody with respect. And that's what, you know, that's the, the quote unquote look, look I'm going for. That's what I try to do. Inevitably, they will try to trigger you. They will push your buttons. And that's what happened at the, the first presidential debate. And I've seen it happen with my husband. People will push your buttons. Now it's easy to say, Oh, you know, just treat them with respect. It, it's harder to take the high ground and to not, Um, Engage in dysfunctional behavior.
3: You know, we recently had over here a a Back the Blue rally, and we're on one side of the street, and there's tons of flags and Trump signs, but on the opposite side of the street was a Black Lives Matter organized by a local Mm. guy. They did is they deliberately crossed the street and started to walk through us looking to see who they could trigger. And when we were the leaders of, of the organization, we stopped. we pinpointed the guy that was leading it, and we got into a comfortable conversation. And finally, he realized we were basically doing the same thing. He wanted to see law enforcement, better police, to be better people. We were supporting them because we believe the vast majority of them are good, and we want them to know that, hey, we're going to be here to help you if you want to have the conversation we have. We had a conversation where we agreed, but there's always – the agitators, and Shemaine, you are so mm-hmm. right. There's always the one or two that are going to come out and they are going to get into someone's face and something is going to be said or done, and that is very unpleasant. We had one gentleman that took the bait. I had no idea who he was, but the next thing you know, I am being attacked because this guy had an opinion and said something that was inappropriate. I'm okay. not going to apologize for what someone else says. I'm going to say, first. I told him, yeah. first off, I have no idea who you just confronted, I did not see it, so I can't answer for it. And I will not defend someone else. I'll defend myself, my actions. And that's what I'm responsible for. And this does not, that message doesn't get out.
0: And I think yeah, it's exactly what, exactly what Money B said before Charmaine had joined us, that, you know, a dialogue, uh, it's really uh, not to monologues. It's really the ability to listen to each other and really have a conversation. That's where it all starts. That's why I did this film, Trump vs. Solo. It all starts. We are all, we come in different sizes and shapes, uh, different opinions, different religions, different colors, but we are all children of God. And we would all want to express our opinions and just have a conversation. Don't you agree, Shema? Absolutely.
2: Um, But the problem is, Daphne, I think that, you know, the other side, so to speak, um, you know, they look for ways, and this is in Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, they look for ways to increase insecurity, anxiety, and uncertainty. And that's exactly what they did with BLM. And many people wanted to, they didn't want to be considered racist. So they jumped on the BLM bandwagon, not even knowing what they stood for. Not, when they had it on their website, what, what they wanted to do. And I think if more people really found out about that before embracing that movement, they would have thought twice about it.
3: But they also Isn't prey it? on people that are weaker. And they, they need yes. the following, need the adoration. So they prey on people that are definitely weaker that do not take the time to do the research and have the inability to think things fully through. They want leadership. They want to be led around. They want to be told and they want the popularity. Oh, now I'm part of the black lives movement and now I'm getting more hits on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is. And they rate their happiness by being led by being controlled and by how many likes they get online. Yeah. Instead of being like you, highly independent, that says, I couldn't give a rat's, you know what. I mean, I, Post- I have no reality. idea. I, I care less. <laughs> no, I don't mean to say that, folks. I do love you following me. Please keep <laughs> on doing it. <laughs> but it, it, makes it, even,
2: it makes it even more difficult when big tech is suppressing conservatives. So we, you know, we hope and pray, and we need our president to, you know, help get us out of this quagmire, because quite simply, if Biden actually does take office, we're doomed.
0: But <laughs> <Well>, he's taking. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. <laughs> I'm, not saying, I'm not saying what I want. I'm just saying what it looks yeah. like, right? You, you know what I right. want. You know who I you know, we, I, we I all we're all on the same page. You're all on the same page here. Uh, uh I don't have to ask you what, what what you voted, you don't have to ask me, right? We all know that. I'm right. saying but uh, yeah. Whatever I say one thing that I did say when Trump called me Saturday and I'm sure I'll call I'll talk to him over the weekend. I did say when I put Money B, Eric B and Isaiah Washington on the on the phone with my husband. It was a good half an hour conversation. And by the way, Uh, I know that Trump called Shemans' husband, Ted, just before to thank him for his help. But uh, I did say to the reporters, and we don't know how they voted. I'm assuming not for him, but it's not really, nobody asked who who are you voting for. It was really to start an honest conversation, much needed. And I said to them, hey, uh, whether President Trump will win in three days, it was three days before the election, or not, he does represent 50% of the country. So it doesn't matter for the sake of our country who wins. I didn't say who I want to win. I said for the two Americans, for the division, there are two Americas. And the division is like a growing wall. And it was always before. I mean, every election, 50% of America or less than 50% a bit thought we, we elected the wrong guy, for sure, you know. But it was mm. never so emotional, with with growing hatred and and violence and looting. And what are we talking about? And for that reason, whatever will happen in court or not in court, Trump does represent. Look at the numbers: half of America, and we have to have this conversation between everybody in America, because between two of Americas, like we had money be on the line, and why? Why? Like I'm taking him to see President Trump at the White House because i'm really scared that if we don't do it right now it may be too late and we are, we we're we are losing the respect of the world we're losing our strength our strength is that we are the biggest democracy in the world that means everybody should be able to express his or her opinion without not to get a job in hollywood or in the music business lose a job anywhere else or to or to have violence as is uh, you know, uh, next door just because of that. That's what we are.
2: Yeah, and to think yep. that we're being suppressed just because of what we post on Twitter or Facebook is is quite ridiculous. There, I mean, there goes our First Amendment. What's next? Our Second Amendment. And that's why I, honestly, I think that this issue and this race, this political race, it has become so heated because everything is riding on this election, which way the country goes, you know, is it going to go to socialism? And even the, you know, the um, Latinos and the African-Americans have come out more in support of Trump, President Trump, than any other Republican president since uh, the 1950s. So we are showing that this has been the great awakening. People are waking up to exactly what's at stake and they don't like it.
0: And you know what you said something very smart, man, Right, Yanni. Yeah. One thing we should celebrate no, no. Uh, that there was uh, the biggest, biggest uh, Yanni. There is the biggest Yanni. Uh, Yanni. Uh, I just want to yeah. celebrate that so many people went and vote whether you know through uh, through the mail or, or personally because it's the biggest voting uh, ever in America. So. Uh, as I said, the the bad thing is a growing division and, the, the, you know, escalating hatred. But the good news is that more people really care. So we have to really yeah. incorporate everything, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah, I I'm think sorry. that that's the
2: biggest problem. Go ahead.
4: I'm sorry.
0: Yanni.
4: Uh, yeah, this is Yanni. Um, hi, both of you. Uh, Annie's uh, on, on, on the line right now, so I'm going to, um, Daphne, I just wanted to mention that when I watched your uh, film, um, I loved the way you did it, was because you asked the question and let them run with with it without interruption, and that's what Annie does, and that's what really makes a good um, conversation, when you let that other person tell you everything else before you interject mm-hmm. something that's what really, and, for me, was a and
0: Shaman a, a great has, thing. And Shaman has a new podcast, and she has the same style that we're going to push. I totally agree. There is no point. Uh, that has been always my network interviews, whether it was time, ABC, NBC, or CBS. Uh, uh, always to listen to, to my interview, because otherwise, why did I bother to go and book the interview and travel? I mean, I can talk to myself in the mirror, right, Shaman? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's a
2: happy medium there and there's a, there's a dance that, you know, obviously there are time constraints and, you know, Daphne, when you, when you talk to Ted, you could just say hi and he's got, you know, he'll, he'll be talking to you yeah. for 15 or 20 minutes, but he does have a lot it's to say mean. and he's done his research and he's done yes, his homework.
3: And yes, he does. Been- yeah. In- yes. She's a in I don't mean to really cut you off. I've got Dr. King on the line, but uh, people no, can no, no find in. The... Yes. I, I've got to bring Dr. King on because she only has uh, 10 minutes with us. All right. Can you, ha- uh, if, if you want, I'm going to bring her on. Okay. And we've got with us now, Dr. Alveda King with the show. I'm your hostess, Annie, the radio oh, chick I, I love you. How are you? She's
0: got a wonderful. How She's a pretty... Yeah, I know. We should talk uh, this afternoon after I, so, let me first of all uh, thank Money B and Shaman and Sam who somehow, I don't know, it happened to me. I was also dropped off. And uh, it's a film. It's Trump versus Hollywood. It's going everywhere. Like, you know, Apple, Amazon, iTunes uh, on uh, uh, December 14th. Uh, right now, because of the election, you can uh, watch it at wwwfighting for oneamericacom Everybody from Ted Nugent to Kevin and Sam Sorbo. Uh, to money be to everybody are fantastic there and shaman i'm going to call you this afternoon evening your time okay great all right well, thank
2: you so much for having me
0: great you, and shaman,
2: enjoy and Vida. Vida, we
0: should catch up in the weekend all right okay <laughs> all right dear, Annie thought- and yanni thank you so much for hosting us
4: it's oh, a well, uh, really big pleasure. Thank you.
3: Right, Dr. King, welcome Thank back you. to bye the show. I, I have a show today that's like herding cats, but I wanted to, to welcome you because you've got a new book. I was unaware of, and I apologize for that. I got myself taken to the woodshed uh, that you wrote with Ginger Howard called We're Not Colorblind. And Daphne's film is about the division in America. And you are with Dr. Howard um, have written a fantastic book. I just did like a quick look at, you know, the Cliff Notes type of thing, but I'm going to have to get it and get you back on. Tell us about it. Well, that's wonderful.
10: Ginger and I started the book about three years ago, believe it or not, we worked on it and had it ready, and then it sat on the shelf for a little while, and then it was released this year in 2020, uh, August of 28th, which is the anniversary of the I Have a Dream speech. And the book basically is saying that we are one human race. We're not separate races. We are the human race. And as a human race, we can learn to live together as brothers and sisters and not perish together as fools. And so we have different of our own life experiences and things that we talk about and how you can learn to see color. You have to see color. To say you're colorblind and you don't see color, then you need glasses. But we see color. And color, skin color, denotes ethnicity, not race. And so we celebrate skin color, we celebrate ethnicity, and then we acknowledge that we are one human race.
3: You know, I have a, a friend of mine, Lenny McAllister, whenever he greets me, and he greets anyone else, he always calls them the child of God. And we tend to, we tend to re- forget that God is in our life. He doesn't make dis- mistakes. He chose us to be who we are at this point in time. And so we should embrace it. And someone turned around and said, well, we should have open borders. And I said, wait a minute. When Christ bestowed the Holy Spirit upon others, he sent us out to the world. He did not tell the world to come into him. And if we take those those basic ideals and recognize each other is equally human, uh, we won't have 95% of the problems we have now.
10: Absolutely. And as far as open borders are concerned, We want to be charitable. We want to be loving. However, when people have ill intent, when they come across your border, uh, for instance, why do people have locks on their doors at the house? Uh, Just leave the door open. Anybody wants to come by, come on in. Well, some of the people are going to be nice, and they're not going to come in and hurt you and steal your property, but some will. So that's why we have doorbells. And when we ring that (laughs) bell, who is it? And what do you want? And do you have credentials? That's just a normal, logical way of thinking.
3: I'm just wondering, how many times does Christ mention my father's house? There are many rooms, but it's my father's. So it means that, hey, wait a minute. There's a certain thing that you've got to do in order to get in here. You know, they they say the poem on the uh Statue of Liberty and I said why don't you recite the last phrase that I hold my shining light to your door I mean mm-hmm. obviously even the poet realized you've got to go through a door you know the crisis true. you I am the light in the way the door in which you go through you know people forget and they're so busy with their political agenda they forget their moral agenda
10: the moral agenda and the, uh, the way that it's given to us to love, respect, regard, and to go by uh, standard. And a standard is always a necessary factor. When there are no standards, just like when there are no boundaries, then the disorder, you know, the disharmony and the uh, order is lost and things like that. So that's why we need to have rules and regulations, but they're not meant to confine us and not let us be creative but to help us to learn how to treat each other.
3: You know, um, we had Money Beyond uh, earlier, and when he was describing what he sees with Trump, um, he's saying, well, the lies, the cheating, and this and that, and the, the, the legal scandals. But the media is twisting everything around. I watched the other day that they had a clip with Trump and saying something, and they only had the back end of the, what he was talking about and didn't put in the front end. So there was no context. So, of course, you hear that one line, it sounds awful. So when it sounds, someone turns around to to-
10: Because yes. they, they chop it up. In, in other words, President Trump said, black people, I want your vote. What do you have to lose by voting for me? And then later, in all the years he's been here now, he's shown everybody what we have to gain. And so the media will take one little line and run away with it without giving you the full explanation. Manny B. was totally
3: right about that. So when someone asks you why Trump, what do you answer?
10: I do have a book, Why Trump. You have to get that book. It's on Amazon.com.
3: Please get it. <laughs> um, Talk but, about the
10: uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because we've got the book on uh, racial reconciliation. That's very important. And we have, I have Why Trump. And uh, there's just so many reasons that he said, let's get America, let's bring the jobs back to America. Let's make the colleges and universities strong, including the historically black colleges and universities. Let's get people out of jail who are not violent criminals and who are are ready to be restored and bring them back into their families and to their communities. Uh, Let's give people an opportunity to keep more of their money so that they can help to build a strong America. And let's save the little babies in the womb, but let's care about life from conception until natural death, from the womb to the tomb. So there's just so many reasons why Trump, of course, I have voted for Trump in 2016 and in 2020, and happy to have had the honor to do so. So that now I do know there are people who did not, and that's okay. We're not supposed to be arguing and fighting and tearing up our nation. And so we're living in a remarkable time. And it's time for us to continue to move forward together.
3: And that's a huge amen to that one. I had two Trump signs stolen from me, so I put a third one up. i just going to keep on coming back, and I'm going to do and it I'll peacefully, maybe. Just keep mm-hmm. on, keep on plowing, keep on plowing, because we don't always succeed on the first try, so we have to try again. But you know, yes. as you said point is to, to look at each other equally. But I had mentioned with our prior, prior guests, in today's society, everyone is so into social networks, to their smart devices, how popular you are on social media, how many likes you get, how many people you know, friend you or repeat your, your posts. People are buried into their devices. When you could go out to restaurants, you'd see a family sitting there and no one's talking. They all have their face device. Uh, in their devices so how do you turn around and get them to look at each other as fellow humans when they' just well, you're just a number on a machine well we begin
10: with our conversation what we say ginger and I and I in that book um, we're not colorblind begin to see each other say hey hey sister how are you hey Elvita hey ginger um we see each other ethnic our ethnicities But we see beyond that as well, and we work together. So it starts individual, first with yourself, then one-on-one, then with people around you, and it goes out broadly into all of our communities.
3: You know, um, something I used to do as a kid, you always find something nice to say to someone, compliment them, or something like that. You, You never start off a conversation without some sort of pleasant recognition. And for a long time, people got away from it. I did I got busy with my life and forgot the basic things I learned as a child. Um, Once you do that, I've noticed that I've started it back up again, obviously. You notice that the look on the person's face, they may have had a look that where they were preoccupied or they were angry. It changes and you see a light come in their eyes. Uh, If we can do something like that and just recognize everyone as a human being worthy of some recognition. But the problem we have today was with these masks. It takes our humanity away.
10: Wow. Well, you know, and I'm going to have to end with this response and ask you to call me again another time, but The Mask, there's a movie, one of my favorite movies, The Man in the Iron Mask, and in one of the verses he says, I wear the mask, the mask does not wear me. The mask cannot muzzle our voices. The mask cannot muzzle our prayers. And so if it's uh, appropriate to wear a mask for comfort levels or some people may have some pre-existing conditions and things and they may need that for this time rather than we won't argue over whether we should or should not wear a mask. But whatever is going on, we have to keep our eyes open and move forward without fear but with faith, loving each other, regarding each other. And absolutely as we do that, we'll find that not only are we not colorblind, We are not blind to each other as human beings. And so I'm going to have to leave now because I only had 10 minutes uh, allocated (laughs) today for this interview. But it's been wonderful talking with you. And God bless you and your listeners. Have a wonderful weekend.
3: You too. God bless you. And thank you for the hard work you do, ma'am.
10: Thank you. Bye.
3: All right. Alvita King, you can find her. I just disconnected myself again. And I just disconnected Ah, I am hitting all the wrong things on here. I just disconnected someone else also. But I'm going to try to bring Coach in. And hopefully this is my buddy, Coach. Good afternoon.
5: Good afternoon. How are you?
3: I am hitting everything wrong on the computer today. So I I disconnected uh, someone, and I think Sweet Sue is back in. Uh, I hope I didn't disconnect her. (laughs) Anyway, I'm hitting... Everything wrong today. Just because oh. you
4: were talking bad about the computers and <laughs> gadgets.
3: Oh man! Holy cow! Oh jeez! Oh, I don't even know where to start now because I I've got my head spinning. We have had a jam up guest list today, so I'm looking for my notes for you, Coach. And you know what my notes say for you for your interview with you? It says whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And, you know, people should get a hold of you because you send out a really good newsletter every day. And I haven't got through the whole one today, but give us some what up on what's going on.
5: Well, actually, I'm on uh, newsletter two for today because there was so much. And uh, I guess we can start at the top, which is... Uh, uh, just to me, to you, whoever's reading this, um, and uh, and what I say is, don't sit in a mud puddle sucking your thumb. Get up and find a way to fight. Make them drive you to your knees if they can, but don't ever voluntarily genuflect to evil. All right, and I run and I run a list of every state hotline. Voter fraud hotline, and you know what I'm seeing, unfortunately, is uh, a lot of uh, Democrat weaknesses. I mean, Republican weaknesses, and and Democrat uh, taking full advantage of it. By way of um, of full disclosure, here, <clears throat> I haven't been a Republican for five years. I just got fed up with them and uh, the lies and and just everything. And then uh, Ryan made my head explode, so I was very glad. But this year I went back and I did some work of my local uh, election uh, district, and we did throw out a uh, a really noxious little uh, man, who was uh, elected in the sweep in in eighteen, uh, named Max Rose. So I'm very proud to say that I worked in the Nicole uh, Malietakis campaign and uh, and helped get rid of Max Rose. Now
3: <clears throat> we had had her on the show, and I was very happy to see her elected.
5: Yeah. Well, see, uh, uh, the last I heard was that we're four four seats away. Um, I don't know what's going on anywhere because it's blacked out. And the blackout tells me that the Democrats are worried. Remember on election night, the first news that we did get on House races was, well, oh, boy, the Republicans uh, are really taking a pasting here, and uh, it looks like the Democrats are going to pick up about 21 I Not so good. All right. About an hour and a half later, it became, well, the the Democrats aren't doing quite that well, but it looks like they'll hold their solid majority that they have now. Okay. And then about an hour and a half, two hours after that, it became, well, look at this. The Republicans are making inroads. And you know the ironic thing is that New York State, we may wind up here in New York being the top flipper state in the country because it looks like we flipped five seats and even Florida only flipped two, which really, I mean, you get my newsletter. That really surprised me. I thought that that would be a gimme, that especially Charlie Crist would be a gimme. But, you know, here we are. And... Uh, the last I saw about two days ago, there were somewhere around 50 seats that hadn't been called. And don't forget, they are, they have yet to, ha- to have uh, announced that they flipped a Republican incumbent seat, nor have they picked up any open Republican seats. As a matter of fact, the one with Will heard in Texas on the Mexican border was astounding. Trump, Trump made something like, like about a 55-point uptick swing in that district, and we held the seat. When I say we, I mean the good guys. Okay? Sometimes it's interchangeable. we Republicans. Sometimes it's not. <clears throat> so, you know, look, right now it looks dark. Sure it does. Sure it does. But I was listening to what you were saying before, and um, you know, I I sent out that message of of a little prayer. You know, uh, oh Jesus, for the sake of the just, save our country. That's all. That's all. It's in God's hands, but it's also it's also in the hands of state legislatures. Now, the guys in Pennsylvania don't have the stomach to do what they're supposed to do. So they've already said they're not going to do this. But it's well within the Constitution for the state to say, uh, okay, thank you very much, uh, and then appoint the electors that they want to represent them at the Electoral College election. So... You know, but we'll we'll just have to see. If you do you really want to win? Do you really want to win? Do you wanna we're seeing- do you wanna live under socialism? Do you, do you wanna crawl well- on your knees?
3: Okay. Yeah, we're we're but they're seeing so much shenanigans going on. You know, ballots being backdated, uh ballots without postmarks being accepted, um I sent out to uh, uh, the uh, uh, federal GOP uh, a link to a training session that was going on on Wednesday in Georgia, done by the Georgia uh, Democratic Party. And what they were doing is calling volunteers to do an online training to knock on doors and help people after Election Day, this is the Wednesday after Election Day, quote, cure their ballots.
5: Yeah, I I I yeah I, I put that up uh <clears throat> and uh see stuff like that is just uh illegal and unconstitutional but right now we're dealing with people that don't care about the constitution and you know what the only <clears throat> weapon we have is the constitution so this is why I get so uh disgusted with uh, uh we need uh, uh Demo- Republicans that act like Democrats in, in the sense that they that they're pulling for the Democrats and they won't do their job. Um while we're at it, uh I I don't know what your feelings have been in terms of watching the emerging um, alternative um, conservative television channels. But uh
2: uh-huh.
5: I'm looking. I'm looking at Newsmax as quickly becoming Fox I uh, There, you know, you know me for a long time. You know uh, my attention to detail, my research, and mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I, I about about a week ago more. I I couldn't watch Greg Kelly anymore. And I'll tell you what. You you and I share a a history with the New York City Police Department. You know, his father was the PC. I I could not have wanted him to succeed more. But But he was and he is sloppy and often was presenting facts in quotation marks that were 12 and 24 hours old and were no longer facts. Okay, so it's it's like where do you turn? You know, we just have a whole bunch of people that just came into the Republican Party, the conservative side, and and they they watch Fox because they think, well, that's where. You know that that's the song that we sing in the new church. But but Fox is Paul Ryan. Fox is the uh, the Murdochs. You know, Fox is. A Democrat doing the guy that, that's calling. Fox is a guy who is in on who is in on the fix. You tell me how Fox and I was. Why I just got Fox called Virginia with one percent in, one percent. How do they do that? How do they do that? Well, because he knew what was coming. He knew that the hundred thousand votes were going to be magically found in Fairfax County. So, please, one American news period, they just lay it out and they just that's it. that's it and and they don't gloat when they give you bad news because you can tell they're on the same team. You can't say that about about the gang at, at Fox and watch you will Tucker Carlson will become unwatchable soon because. He will not be allowed to continue investigating Biden. Hannity never lets anybody talk. He asks the question, then he, he asks the question, then he answers it. Okay? And and Ingram, I I don't know, I haven't watched her in a long time. I don't really care about her. But you know that's it. You can throw the whole bunch, you can throw the babies out with the bathwater. So so that's one good thing. At least Fox is gonna is gonna take it on the chin. Uh you know, right away. But unfortunately I hear that, that uh Newsmax picked up seven million new uh you know, viewers and there's nobody that, that wants that wanted Newsmax to succeed more than I did, because a very good friend of mine is a lifelong best friend of uh Reddy, Chris Reddy. And I and i had dinner with Reddy. I wanted them to succeed, but terrible. Anyway, I'm on that rant. I, I, you, you get the picture. I don't like them. You know, I don't like On Election Day, one of these stupid newsreaders said that Joe Biden went to uh, Scranton to vote. Really? How could he do that? He lives in Delaware. Are we there? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I
3: think I think so. I I missed that part. I missed that one because we do watch Newsmax. Um, I don't think we get OAN. I have to double check to see the uh, the guide on the TV. Um, but uh, but uh, I, I I some of I like There's a couple of them that uh, we, we turn off. Um but Greg Kelly, yeah, I will agree that sometimes he's a day late and a dollar short on some of this stuff, but you know his passion you know. shows right through. I mean so, that's the you only You
5: I just I just realized this. <clears throat> did uh did the did the radio show not work out for you? From from Charleston? Which radio?
3: No, we're still on W C E T Charleston. But,
5: we're uh, we're broadcasting live with them right now. Because I have a super story that I'm going to give mm-hmm. to you. That oh, okay. That was not acted on by Trump's team, although I'm not sure that it got to him. You know, I I worked as a political researcher uh, up until about ten or twelve years ago, <clears throat> and um, I worked for my son, not with him, for him, and uh, I developed this what we call in the business a hit. And um, it turned out that the guy that handled it, his life went sideways, and okay, fine. So I, I sent a hit to Floyd Brown. You, you know, Floyd is uh, Western journalism. Right? Floyd and I are old friends. Mm-hmm. He acknowledged it, and then nothing. Um, I sent it to Salcedo. Same thing. Acknowledged it. And then nothing. So, Coach, what is this hit that you have? And I'll tell you the, the, uh, the outline, and I will send you the rest of it. It's okay. like this. The, the Democrats beat their chest and say, we are for women. The Republicans have a war on women. Okay, fine. Let's look at the, Republican, well, the Democrat war on women. I watched the show in July, you know. You know, every, there's nothing on television anymore because they're forcing you to try to go. Uh, they're forcing you into a la carte, so that oh, it's only three dollars and you can have, uh, you know, like uh, this the uh, Smithsonian channel. Okay, fine, three bucks. Yeah, and next next month it'll be nine dollars. Anyway, so we watch and I don't know how it works in your house, but we watch what we call murder shows. Every, every damn show is about a murder. And it's either a murder or a rape. You know, murder comes to town, murder this, murder that. So in July we're watching this murder show, and uh, it, was, it was about a guy who'd committed a couple of murders along the way, but uh, basically he was a, a serial rapist. And uh, the guy operated in Chicago and in Atlanta. And they finally caught him in Atlanta. And in Atlanta, they interviewed the detective that caught him. And the guy said, you know, if Chicago had processed its rape kits, I could have arrested this guy, caught him and arrested him two years ago. So I said, hmm, Democrats are all swine. You know my book. I'm the guy that wrote the book, The all Swine. So let me start looking and see how it works out. So I found a uh, a website <clears throat> for a group that monitors the testing of rape kits. And I, w- I went up to Maine. I looked in Maine, figuring that regardless of the fact that they keep electing Susie Collins, uh, it's definitely a Democrat operation in Maine. If you are raped and you have a rape kit done, you have no standing to even ask for the status of your rape kit. I said, so, well, that's, mm, all right. I went to Minneapolis. Minneapolis has 1,700 untested rape kits. And who knows how many were sitting in the uh, police station that got burned out. Wow. And then the worst was in California. And I'll send you all of that. Just You could just hang on to this. The county of San Diego and the San Diego uh, Sheriff's Office, they have no idea how many they have. And they don't care. And they didn't respond to the survey done by the California state government. Neither did San Francisco. San Francisco has no idea. So I tried to get this out, but you know what? It's still a good hit, and I'm going to give it to you.
3: I appreciate that. I'm looking in the studio. I see an unusual number in the studio. If that is our next guest, Craig uh, Huey, please press one. Uh, otherwise, I'm willing to assume that you are a listener just listening in. Um, we are waiting for Craig Huey to call in. And I just sent him a text, too, to see if he could uh, call into the show. So, again, if you are our guest, you pulled into the studio, please make sure you press one on your keypad. Anyway, um, yeah, do send that to me. You know, I, I'd it. like to take a look at it. But uh, I know that in South Carolina, they expanded the labs that we have here, which is run by SLED, the state uh, law enforcement division. So we yep. do our own testing here, and they increased the labs simply to be able to process everything in a more timely manner.
5: Yes, yes, and I, I don't, I don't wish to become too maudlin. But your police background and my police background will allow me to point out to you that while about 75% of rape victims are the traditional victim that we think of, a woman somewhere between, say, 18 and 40, something like that, but that leaves 25%. And in that 25%, of course, then there's some males. But guess what's in there too? Mentally and physically disabled children, and
3: murder and the elderly,
5: and murder victims as well. So they yeah. don't and the they, they don't care.
3: No, they don't. It, that crime is a crime that spans all all ages yeah. and genders. Yeah. Um, yep, and Never it's a
5: cried. shame. Could not care less. So, um, what? Uh, what else do we have on on the agenda here? We're we're seeing that uh, that uh, our girl at uh, One American News says that evidence is flowing. That's uh, Chanel Rion, Evidence is flowing into voter fraud hotline. is overwhelming, and when I put up my second. Message. I'm gonna. It will include the hotline number for every state that has one, which is almost every country. Every everyone. So look, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, fraud going on, regardless regardless of what Sean Spicer says. He doesn't see any. Well, of course, of course, I wouldn't expect him to see anything. <laughs> because <laughs> if he had any, if he had any. Going for him, he wouldn't be on uh, on uh, Newsmax. So of course he doesn't see it. But but a weenie like uh, Pat Toomey, he doesn't see anything. And the ironic thing uh, is, is that uh, you know I'm looking at Free Republic, and you have the story about Pat Toomey. He doesn't see anything. The very next story is about Chuck Todd saying. They, meaning the Democrats, are manufacturing ballots. So Chuck uh, Chuck Chuck Todd sees it, but Pat Toomey and, and our friend Spicy they don't see it. What's
4: wrong with uh, Coach? Uh, Coach, do you say you like Salzado?
5: I yeah you know, okay he, he's he's all right. But the thing is, I can't handle imprecision if you don't know what you're talking about don't talk about it because you're oh, doing it
1: that,
5: yeah. to your listeners if you're giving a, a you know if you're trying to make a point you better understand 100% of the point not 95% because that 95% may negate, negate the the rest of it but these guys you know are Again, I said earlier, nobody wanted Newsmax to succeed more. I even volunteered to to do Kelly's research for free, just to get him going. But these people, they 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 don't really they don't really care. So I think Newsmax is going to be content to become Fox, and content and Fox is going to become. Not quite CNN, but closer to CNN than to One American News. And One American News is going to wind up being what, as I've often said, One American News is what Fox used to pretend to be when they pretended to care what we thought about them.
4: Yeah. Um, well, Fox, uh, I thought that um, most of the time when they're speaking, they're listening to the producer telling them what to say.
5: Yeah, and and Paul Ryan is sitting in his desk at his desk smoking oh. a cigar and telling the producer what to tell the the, the talking head on TV to say. Hey, look, just look at it this way: Paul Ryan would never be hired by One American News. Neither would Donna Brazile. Uh, Oh, <laughs> would never get a job at One American News. That that total moron, Juan Williams, would never get a job at One American News. They don't put people like that in front of the camera. But Fox what? does. After Roger Ailes died, the, the whole thing just oh, yeah. slid. Now yeah, the you know, yeah. the,
3: but now, they lost a large chunk of their market during the, the election. They lost a large, large chunk of the market,
5: and they're going to lose even more. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, because the the new people, you know, it's like it's like anything else, uh, whether it's religion or whatever or it's politics. The converts are always the strictest. You know what I'm saying? So these people are, are probably a little shell shocked. The new people. And they and I thought that Fox was, you know, really uh, what it is. And I think there's a big opportunity for one American news. And I, I can't wish more evil on Fox than they, I haven't watched them. in I've been Fox. You go on Twitter. You know that one of the big names there on our side is Larry Schweikert. I know Larry. <clears throat> he endorsed one of my books, and we used to laugh. And 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 whenever we wrote it to each other, we would say. Uh, yeah, and I'm fox-free for, uh, you know, like 72 consecutive months or something like that. You know, it's just terrible. It's just terrible how they, the left gets its tentacles into every damn thing and perverts it.
3: Exactly. you got to be politically correct. Now, I had uh, two friends of mine that used to be frequent guests up on Fox uh, and uh They both tell basically the same story. In order to become a guest, over time, they said at first they allowed him to talk freely and give their candid opinions. But over time, they were told, no, you can't say that. You've got to say this. To one point, and this one gentleman happened to have been a lieutenant colonel, and they turned around to him. No, no, you can't say that. This is exactly what I want you to say. And he goes, but it's a lie. I'm not going to lie. It's the exact opposite of what I want to get out. And he walked away, and he gets a phone call, you're banned. He goes, I don't care. Yeah. One was a a guy that testified before Congress over a dozen times, and they started to say, no, you can't say this, you can't say it. He says, they don't call me anymore. He well, says, I don't blame you.
5: That was Tommy Atkins, another friend of mine. No. Tommy used to be a regular on the Saturday morning financial shows. And this is the guy, if you go back about 10 or 12 years, he had hair down to his shoulders, okay? And he was a former rock band uh, guitarist. It was somewhat successful. He never was into drugs. He was never into alcohol. And the other band members, do whatever you want. When he went from town to town in his room he would study real estate and he made quite a bit of money. And somehow he got invited onto these shows and because he showed that he knew more than uh, what's the black guy on there, Charles somebody? Is it Payne? Payne. Yeah. 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 Because he knew more than, than Charles Payne and Wayne Rogers, soon he got disappeared. So and he married Brenda Butner, God rest her. And they got rid of Brenda, Brenda as Tommy said, because uh, they were looking for T&A, and that's all, blonde T&A. So, you know, I know it's a business. Hey, I, I, I've done a lot of radio. You know, I, I, I understand it's a business, but please, ha- have a little bit of uh, integrity. But they don't, they don't care. They don't care. No, it's a shame.
3: That is a god shame. It looks like our other guest, uh, Craig Huey, is not going to be with us. So I apologize for the listeners that were looking for him. But uh, we shoulder on with my friend, Coach Kevin Collins, or should I say, Doctor Collins? he's going to throw in the doctorate.
5: <laughs> yeah, you know, that's true. I forget that. You know, I'm I'm a thinking doctor, not a cutting doctor. By the way, out there, but. <laughs> I I I said that stuff, uh, but because I haven't I haven't taught in quite a while. But even that, you know, what was what was funny is that the only people in in my department that objected to me referring to myself as Dr. Collins were the guys that didn't have doctorates. <laughs> I worked very hard. I went to school at night for 17 years as a cop to get that. And when it was appropriate, yeah, I told people, yeah, I have a doctorate in public administration. Yeah.
3: (laughs) You know, people assume that if you're a cop, you're stupid. Uh, No, no. Some very amazing uh, people, and people, uh, we do go on to become business owners, executives, you know, doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs. You know, we do end up with a second, third, fourth, or fifth life somewhere along the way. And I think I did mine the opposite. I did everything else in front, and then I became the cop. I did as as Mike Cutler says, fast backwards.
5: (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, And I I can throw this in because it's radio, and nobody sees me, nobody knows who I am. I have no reason to blow smoke at anybody, but it's the truth. I also have a genius IQ. So there, anybody? I'm a cop with a a doctoral degree and a genius IQ, and boy, does that smash that stereotype.
3: (laughs) Oh, I'm getting comments up over on the Facebook page. Uh, as well as my buddies here from on Blog Talk Radio. I just want to remind everyone you're here listening live to Blog Talk Radio. I'm sorry, Southern Sense. (laughs) I like I'm being fast backwards again. Mm -hmm. Southern Sense on uh, Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, the Lone Star Daily News, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, YouTube, Facebook, Oh, also WCET out of Charleston, uh, Charleston, Columbia, Columbia. South Carolina. Carolina. Oh, man. And I hope you're enjoying yourself. As you know, we are unscripted, Toach, and you never know what we're going to say or what we're going to do. We're having a blast. You know, we're seeing reports left and right about voter camps, the vote camps, and then swinging this way and then that way. And we are seeing rampant examples of, you know, criminal activity affecting the vote. Uh, what do you predict is the final outcome? Will Trump be four more years, or will Biden steal the presidency?
5: I don't know, but uh, and I and this is not a cop out because uh, I I firmly believe this. I'm an adherent. Uh, Catholic Christian I think it's in God's hands and this may all be God I mean it is it's not maybe it's all God's plan and we'll just we'll just have to see how it works out you know um, but you know if if Abraham could bargain with God to save like ten people from Sodom and Gomorrah then uh, you know maybe uh, the good people here in this country that far outnumber the bad, uh, can be saved, but otherwise, uh, there's so much, there's so much that that's coming out of this, and again, I, I don't, this isn't television. People don't know who I, look I, who I am, and I'm just telling you. I said I'm an inherent Catholic. I'll tell you, one of the side losers on this is the uh, the Conference of Catholic Bishops, because they didn't step up, okay, and they didn't push hard enough. But you know what the best thing is? Contrary to contrary to the lies that were propagated in the fake polls, Catholics voted almost two to one against Biden. And then and Trump got the highest percentage of Catholic vote on record for a Republican. Okay?
3: Which begs to just... How can they claim Biden is getting The number of votes he's getting When it's record number Women It doesn't make
1: sense
3: Blacks It it, it simply does not make sense No As a matter of fact here in South Carolina The county I live in They had a 75% Turnout rate On the Republican side We've never seen a number that high The last time they saw that, um, I believe it was when Nixon was elected. Wow. Yeah. So when you see a 75% registered Republicans turning out, you know, you see maybe 30, 40, very rarely as high as 50, but 75. That's a phenomenal number.
5: Oh, sure. Sure. You know, it's... it's just, oh, I got to go that's, that's my phone. I got to give it to my wife. Tell Bobby I'll call
1: him. <laughs> my God. The
3: Marine Corps, the Marine Corps anthem. Marine but, Corps, uh, I Coach, I think we, I think we have our next guest in on the line. Let me, let me pull him in. And uh, he is from the, uh, with the Heritage Foundation associated with them, Dr. Kevin Pham. I hope I'm pronouncing your last name right, doctor.
11: Um, plenty close enough that's fine thank you so much for having me oh it is our pleasure
3: uh i have a a dear friend of mine also a doctor uh not a medical doctor uh coach kevin collins i always call him coach because i've known him for so many years but uh you've come up with uh, some interesting uh information on uh the shutting down of uh of our nation because of COVID-19. And you are an expert in that field. Tell me what what it is that you're finding.
11: We're finding more and more that the the actual lockdowns, because we're talking about we're in the middle of this, this very dramatic increase in cases, and it is a big increase in cases. And what we're finding out, and we're talking about lockdowns and restarting that kind of thing all over again. What we're finding out is that the government-imposed lockdowns really didn't affect people's behaviors very much. What really affected people's behaviors is what they saw and what they experienced, and what they did, what they, um, what risk they ascribed to themselves during this time. And so, um, you know, just for instance, they found that between those who were 18 and 29 years years old, they didn't they didn't really observe very many uh, precautionary measures, you know, social distancing, avoiding crowded places, that kind of thing. Um, they didn't they didn't do that. Uh, they didn't take those precautions quite as well as people who are above the age of 80. And, you know, if you think about it, that's entirely rational. If you're between 18 and 29, you have all, you statistically zero, near zero risk of dying. And so you're going to take um, fewer precautions. But people who are above the age of 80, they're going to take, of their own accord, take more precautions. And so uh, people can be trusted to take care of themselves and assess their own risks.
3: Absolutely. Now, my mom is 88 years old. She's a victim of a stroke. So whenever I take her anywhere, the first thing she does, she grabs for the mask. You know, and, and you're right, people can self-monitor themselves better than government. But we're also seeing adverse effects with people in the lockdown and being forced to wear the mask. Now, I've got to be honest. I tell my audience, I cannot wear a mask. I end up getting very sick simply because of the mask. And it doesn't matter if it's a disposable disposable one or one that I made and washed constantly. I just still get sick. So I ended up going to the doctor, and he said, "Don't no, you don't have COVID?" Because I thought maybe I had caught it because I was coughing and everything. And he said, "No, you're you're fine. You just can't wear the mask." So I wear a shield. Do you know how many people give me a dirty look?
11: I I can only imagine. Uh- I've I've traveled across country uh, recently, and I I didn't wear a mask outside where you know where it would have almost zero effect, and yeah, there, yeah I got a lot of judgmental looks even though it would make zero difference in in that environment. I
3: I I always laugh because I see people riding their bicycle and there's no one around them for half a mile and they're wearing the mask. And my husband and I look at them go look at that jerk, but yeah it has you should be out there breathing the fresh air. All you're doing is you're exhaling into your mask and you're breathing back the germs that your body is trying to expel. So I, I see no purpose to that.
11: Right, not, not only that, but when you're breathing into your mask, it, it, it traps the moisture and then it holds on to whatever those bacteria are. And then most people um, are not, watching, not washing their masks every day and they're not changing their masks every time. So they are creating a a, a very... A, frankly, a disgusting environment inside of their mask if they're, if they're wearing it all the time and not changing it out all the time, too. It's a Petri dish, basically.
3: It's a Petri dish that yeah. you're inhaling. <laughs> the germs right smack yeah. in you. But there's, there's also now a social aspect to it. And, you know, I've had several conversations with educational experts, you know, about having the child being able to recognize facial expressions as they develop. And this is something that's very important in their ability to socialize. So you know, even a child that has nearly zero chance of you know getting really sick or dying from this thing. I mean, how many had we had? I think a total of three um, children uh, that have died.
11: Uh, no, the 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 number I believe is um, last I checked. I think it was thirty-nine or so, but it's well under. It's it's again, it's a statistic zero. As far as those who have, who have gotten it, and children are at less risk of even contracting the disease, it seems like. And of those kids who do get the virus, very, very few of them, below, below 100th of a percent, have died.
3: Hmm. But how does this affect the child's development, their ability to recognize facial expressions or to even clearly hear what someone is telling them?
11: Yeah, it's going to have some effect on children's uh, social development, but uh, you know, I, I I would hope that families aren't wearing masks inside their own home all the time, and so they are getting at least that 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 amount of social interaction with regards to facial recognition, facial development, and um, and hopefully this isn't going to last too much longer because we're already having students who are who are essentially going to be held back by a year because. Students in the, the grade school level, they're not, they're not learning very much, very well across Zoom screens, and it's just not happening very well like that. So this is going to have a dramatic effect on, on just schooling, like education throughout the entire world, but especially in America for, for an entire year.
3: We're also a social animal, and it's important that children also learn the skills on how to interact, not only with adults, but with fellow children. Uh, I fear that once these schools open, there's going to be higher instances of uh, bullying because now you don't know how to make a friend to treat someone in a proper manner, what if actions are right or wrong. You know, the kids are always going to go, that toy is mine. Give me. Uh, but you, you need to have that environment where you learn proper behavior.
11: Yeah, I mean, I would hope that, again, I, I would hope that this doesn't go on long enough where that becomes a major uh, major detriment where just children are just sequestering their own homes at, for that long. Certainly a real concern. But what I'm also really concerned about is that, uh, sorry, during this time, children are, um, they're, they're going to learn to fear uh, strangers in general because the way we're behaving with this, uh, the way we're responding to this, with um, this virus, with the lockdowns and everything, we kind of assume that everyone else has the virus. That's why that's why we demand everyone wear masks. This is with the assumption that they have the virus, and we don't want them to spread it. And so the children are going to be—they're going to—they're going to internalize this idea that everyone else is a is a disease risk to them, and that I think that's going to have very long-term uh, ramifications for social development.
3: Yeah, everyone's the boogeyman. <laughs> you know. Um but we also have um I, I my train of thought just went right out the window. I apologize. Right,
5: Annie let me get in. get in?
3: Uh, who's this? This is Coach. Oh, oh coach. Oh, Did I'm they, sorry, Coach. Yeah. I apologize. Coach <laughs> Doy. <laughs> I had How a
8: frankly they forget.
5: Uh Doctor Pham. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm happy to I'm happy to talk to you and get your opinion. Uh, as I've been introduced, I'm Dr. Kevin Collins, but I'm, I'm uh, not a uh, medical doctor. I, I want to ask you a question as somebody who's right in, in the front lines in this. Your opinion: How much of the uh, general response to the COVID um, crisis? has been um, guided by politics and how much has been guided by science
11: uh, that's, that's the, the, the exact delineation is going to be difficult to uh, to really point out but I think it started off with um, being fairly well informed because when we when we talk about the the lockdowns at that point we knew very little all we know that there was this I'm talking about like in the, the, the mid to late March um, period. All we knew at that point was that there was this virus that was spreading extremely quickly, and it was overtaking everything that we could do against the virus in Seattle and in New York. Um, in the face of that kind of evidence, uh, where, where our hospitals almost got overwhelmed, we didn't get there, thankfully, it almost, it, but it almost happened, in, in the face of that, it may, the only thing that really made sense, at least for those areas, New York, Washington, and maybe major metropolitan areas around there, the only thing that would have made sense was a, a very harsh lockdown, and that's what we did. Uh, where it started um, coming off the rails is when we started implementing these lockdowns uh, more broadly. So there's, there's a bar in Lima, Ohio, where I don't think that they've had um, many cases associated with this bar, but they would have to be locked down in the middle of Ohio. And that didn't really make sense. Um, and that, that's when we started to see that this, this fear response start, started to take over. I'm not saying that Ohio had no cases. It, it started to getting having a lot of cases, and it does now, too, but we, we need to be worried about what we're doing in response to these cases because a case in March is different from a case today. Uh, if you, even though the, the current caseload is, is rising extremely quickly, if you look at the mortality rate, it's been fairly flat for the past month or so, and we normally expect... Uh, mortality to rise within two weeks of a spike in cases, and that we haven't seen that yet. So we're doing a lot better now with controlling the the mortality of this virus.
5: Okay, but uh, I hate to be uh, gruff with you, but can we get back to the question? Is it more science or more politics?
11: Um, as as time goes on, then uh, I would hate to call. I would hate to come down harshly and say this is all politics.
5: No I but what what do you think is the breakdown?
11: <laughs> the breakdown. Well, I'm just saying as time has gone ba- gone as time has progressed, it's become less about the science, it's become more about um you know, I, I still don't necessarily think it's necessarily political, but I, but it is our politicians not making a good choice. It's not based on it's not based on the science anymore. It's just based on um frankly an exercise of power. I mean, if if that's what you mean by political then yeah, absolutely. You how know, do you the,
5: how do you personally uh in your own your own line of thinking account for the fact that the the harshest most draconian shutdowns were all at the hands of uh, democrat governors
11: yeah i think that's mostly a, a difference in mindset you know it you mean, it, i'm from california originally That's a good way to put it and
1: yeah it's <laughs> i think
11: <laughs> <laughs> in, in California, they have um, they have some pretty pretty harsh um, restrictions. And if you look at the roadmap for coming out of this thing, they there is no point at which everything comes back to normal. the The best metrics they can get is still in a restricted state. Uh, and the best metrics they have is like one case per hundred thousand, which I don't think we get that even with uh, influenza during the off season. So basically, there is no way to get back to normal in California, not with the current plan. And yeah, that's not that's not based on science at all. That's that's just based on on fear and a different mindset. And I think Gavin Newsom is just um, is just willing to exercise his power just um, just like that.
5: Well, okay, well, you know, know. Coach. I gotta on. let you
3: know. Here, here in my county, they wanted to put in the face mask mandate with no end date. They wanted to make it a permanent resolution. Penalized by either jail Or fine We battled them And I went and spoke before, Well they were doing it on uh, Facebook, Zoom Or whatever they call that thing They did it online But I, I spoke to them and I said Listen, number one If you look at the statistics for our county Much less the state uh, COVID sits down At number the number five Cause of death We've got more from cancer Alcoholism uh, suicide, uh, vehicle vehicle accidents. I said those are at the top four. You're all the way down, and your statistic number. And I broke it down to less than one, one hundredth of a percent. Less than one hundredth of a percent is the number of deaths. And then if you look at the infection rate, it's not much higher than that. Oh, I think our county-wide, we had a total of 39 deaths county-wide, and the county is something like about 700,000 people. It just made no sense. And then I cited the HIPAA Act, where you can be penalized up to a quarter million dollars or do federal jail time of up to 10 years, and I cited the area of the HIPAA Act. And then I cited the Americans with Disability Act. You know, I took my husband up to the hospital up in Charleston, MUSC, and they were not going to let me in because I was wearing the shield. So I had to cite the ax. I'm his caregiver. If I don't go with him, you're not going to be able to do the care he needs to have because I have to do certain things in order to let him be, have those treatments because he was wearing a machine. So, you know, there's a fear and, and there's a lack of understanding of what the reality is. Is that what you're finding, Dr. Pham?
11: Yeah, and especially so with masks. So full disclosure, I'm pretty pro-mask. I think they're a good idea in environments where you cannot socially distance with other people. For instance, in a a grocery store, if you're going down the aisle, you can't can't maintain any distance with them. But, you know, that having been said, there is no hard science that says masks work. We have a lot of uh, associative studies. Studies that show that in certain areas where there's increased mask usage, there's lower there's lower case increases. Those are sort of associations. We can't say definitively that mask works. It's mostly based on common sense and clinical experience. But there's just simply not enough. There's not enough evidence out there to say yes, a mask is going to help you here. Uh, and so, it, being that that's the case, there's there's no justification for a mandate, especially with jail time or fines involved. You know, the best you can do, the best people, the best that governance should do is say, hey, you know, it might be a good idea in certain, certain areas. Beyond that, um, beyond that, it's treating masks as if they're a panacea. It's, it's really a, a leap of faith to say that this is what's going to stop the pandemic. It's, it's not. And we've seen that they don't.
3: Well, you know, I also find the people that violate the safe distance and other things are people that are wearing the masks and doing all the other you know, BS that they think they're doing right. But they're the ones that violate everything. I was in the grocery store just before coming on air, and I had four items. So I go up to the express. There's a woman in front of me with the cloth bag. She wants to be environmentally safe. And with the mask on and everything else. And she's got something like 35 aisles on the conveyor belt. And the guy in front of her is looking. He's like, lady, uh, this woman behind you has only four items. And you've got all this, not only that she was standing on top of him <laughs> so after going back and forth she pushes the car to the side and not really but just enough so I can slide between the two counters to get in front of her and I'm looking at her and I'm like you got to be cra- crazy you've got to be absolutely an idiot I've got to come within less than six inches of you to get in front of you and I says ma'am can you please step out so I can get past I had to ask her three times until she finally got the idea, I didn't want to be within a certain space of her before I can go. They don't, they don't even comply, and yet they demand us to wear the mask.
11: Yeah, they treat, they treat masks as if that's, that's, the, that's the key ticket, that's the silver bullet. Um, some people treat masks as if these are going to help us more than vaccines, when really that's the most a- ascientific thing I've ever heard.
3: It is. <laughs> it is. I'm looking at the clock, we're down to our last... Uh, about 14 minutes left in here, uh, Coach. I know you got another question you want to throw at this gentleman.
5: Yeah. Um, again, I, this is not to to put you back up against the wall, but this is to take advantage of this very rare opportunity uh, to, that I, I see to to speak to somebody who's right there in the front lines. Then, okay, exp, explain and walk walk me through how it is that a a, a report. Surface that 85% of the people who did experience a COVID infection regularly wore masks and distanced themselves. How did this? Uh, how did that happen?
11: Well, I would have to I would have to look at the report uh, myself to to really decide. But you know, I think I think where there's higher cases, there are people who are, are going to start seeing. People, when you start seeing more um, cases in your community, you, you start to take more precautions, which includes um, distancing and it includes wearing a face mask. But you know, as we've been talking about, face masks aren't going to protect you 100%. And there's going to be instances where you can't, where you can't reasonably maintain distance with another person. For instance, walking, walking um, past a lady with 100 items on the conveyor belt. You know, there are certain <laughs> circumstances where you just can't avoid it, and masks aren't a panacea. So. Um, so I would suspect that in areas where there are more cases, you're going to have more mask wearing, and so people who are wearing more masks are going to get more infected. So I, I think that's what we're seeing here.
5: Well, on the brighter side, can you foresee that perhaps some of the normal illnesses that people have, like let's just say the common cold, can uh, can be you can foresee them that dropping? just by the fact that we have developed this new mindset of regularly washing your hands and, you know, and stifling cold, uh, 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 sneezes and coughs, <clears throat> you know, it seems to me that, that you know, if people are doing this, and I'm sure they are, eventually we're going to see a benefit in terms of, of the general drop of, of the normal contagious diseases. No. Yeah, well, yeah,
11: and oh yeah, um, in in fact, I think uh, well, at the end of the last flu season, the 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 rate of influenza infections had plummeted, and it was because we were taking all these COVID precautions. And what I was just reading a report today that showed that, or that suggested that um, surfaces are not playing a major um, role in transmission of this disease. So really the thing with hand-washing doesn't apply to COVID quite as much as it does to influenza. But I think as a result of all this, everyone is very on top of washing their hands, using hand sanitizer, making sure surfaces are clean. That's That was always a good habit to have. I don't know why we weren't washing our hands before. Um, but because because of this, then yeah, if we're looking at the bright side, then yeah, I think we're going to be much better about um, hygiene and cleanliness moving moving forward. And that, that is going to have a major impact, especially on influenza.
5: Yeah, so no. That is the good side, the upside to it. Thank you for answering that. Thank you.
3: Hmm. Um, I, I have some questions that I, I jotted just words. <laughs> so I'm trying to remember what was going through my mind. Um, but the, is there a suppression of free speech and religion because of these lockdowns? Do you see, you know, because I know if you if you don't get your dose of church you can end up going into depression uh if you're not able to freely speak you know you, you get anger now, are we seeing other problems being caused because of this lockdown
11: oh yeah certainly um with regards to your <clears throat> the latter point about free speech and we are seeing very frequently that people who have uh, more or less heterodox opinions that is People who are saying that these lockdowns aren't, um, aren't helpful or masks aren't always sufficient or people who are saying sort of heterodox things or contrarian things, they're being shouted down. So it's not really a First Amendment issue because uh, people aren't uh, banned from saying these things, but it is the culture of free speech is being eroded right now because anybody who says such a thing, they get shouted down by every quadrant of society. Um, and that's, that's, that is a major problem. And as, uh, the, as far as religion goes, that is also a major problem because that is one of the one of the things that make us human. It's a core aspect of just human life, is having uh, some kind of transcendental um, experience. In, in my case, I'm I'm Catholic. Uh, I have only just received communion for the first time in a church relatively recently, and so I've gone I've gone almost six months without receiving regular communion. And that's uh, you're absolutely right. That wasn't that, that has been really harsh on me and my spiritual life. And what we're seeing is that churches aren't are not they're not a major source of contagion and outbreak. They are in circumstances that one of the studies with a choir or something like that. But, you know, pastors are willing to um, enact certain safety precautions. And I think we should trust our pastors to care more for their congregants than we should care, care about, or than we should expect like Gavin Newsom to care about me. You know, Gavin Newsom doesn't care about me. Father Nicholas does. And, you know, it's something that we really need to get back to that.
3: You know, it, 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 was- a comfort to know that if I was out running errands uh, and I just needed a little pick-me-up, I could go over to my church, go inside, kneel at the pew, even if there was no service, mostly when it was no service going on, and just take a few minutes to pray. But since the lockdown, they've locked the doors to prevent you from doing that. And I find that very troubling. And when they do open the doors back up, you have to call several days ahead of time and reserve a space. And and I find that very troubling because then it says, no, I can only pray in church at a certain place in time. Hmm. And I I, I find it very hard to reconcile my faith, my beliefs with such restrictions.
11: No, I, I absolutely agree. And especially churches, you know, outside of a service, time churches rarely get packed enough where i would be concerned about um transmission uh you know if anything then churches should all be open now as as prayer chapels and i think that would go a long way towards helping us not just um not just live our daily lives but help us cope with uh the stresses of a of a global pandemic
5: i'd like to uh, chime in on that i agree with both of you as an inherent catholic I, i've been i live in new york and in florida and uh, in Florida, uh, they actually opened up uh, their uh, their general meeting room for uh, uh, daily adoration. And oh, no. when, I, when I came back up to New York, uh, I went to my uh, parish because I, I would go every day to adoration, and it was closed, and it was it was very disheartening, very disheartening. And I think that the three of us and perhaps uh, other adherent Catholics out there understand what that's what that's
1: all about. I found yeah. a
4: place
5: uh, uh. hey, I think uh,
4: when I'm in the hospital, the chapel is always empty. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> serious.
3: Yeah. Uh, Whenever Yanni's in the hospital, I have to pass the chapel and I always stop for a few moments. I've only seen once in the last four years, only once, someone else in the chapel. But when I first started using the chapel, they didn't even have a crucifix in there. They had no religious uh symbols at all now they do but it's it's disheartening to know that you know these facilities should be open for you it should give you comfort uh, during service hours and after service hours i i don't think god put us on a timetable did he
5: no 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 that's that's true i i couldn't agree more and um uh that's one of the things that I look forward to that uh, when I get back down to Florida but uh, both of you are spot on and uh for my purposes I've really enjoyed this uh this time with you Annie and uh and Dr. Fan and thank you for answering uh questions that uh, I had on my mind and I was so happy to to take this opportunity and to have you explain and take uh, uh take pains to make sure that even a uh, a thinking doctor could understand what it was all about. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Well, Dr. Sam people can find you at heritage.org, correct?
5: Uh, yep,
11: yeah, that's where most of my work is going to be.
3: All right. Well, well, thank you for joining us on the show, and I hope that you come back often. And, Coach, you uh, <laughs> give a hug to your lovely bride. Tell her that I, I miss the two of you and having a scotch <laughs> like we used to in the old days.
5: I, I will, and I don't I don't know where I'm going to be because my, my oldest son is going to buy a house in South Carolina. They're all set. I don't know exactly where, but uh, perhaps what Mount Pleasant. I don't know if that would be in rural, but it's not a very big state, so don't be surprised no, if I no, show that, up on your door.
3: That's about three and a half hours north of us. You're going to be outside of Myrtle Beach.
5: Once uh, you get Outside car? of Charleston.
3: <laughs> uh, outside of Charleston, yeah. No, actually, it's oh, not that far. Uh, Mount Pleasant is about an like, hour and a half. A hour and a half. Yeah, just on the other side of the bridge. All you right, Coach, you Hopefully, you sent
5: be what changed. we talked
3: about earlier. Okay, great. I, uh, Dr. Pham, thank you for joining us, and God bless you for the hard work you do.
11: Absolutely. Yes, Thanks so much for having me. Thanks.
3: All right. Um, that was uh, Coach and Dr. Pham with the Heritage Foundation. Um, We will be back here next week. Uh, We have Lieutenant Colonel from the Navy Reserves, Jesse Iwoji, who is also a NASCAR driver. This weekend is the NASCAR final race, so he couldn't join us before, so he will join us after. And uh, there's a possibility, Craig Huey, who missed out today, he's been texting me while I've been talking to uh, our guests, uh, may join us either next week or the week after. Uh, McFarland is the, may be joining us. We may have Dean Kane and Ted Nugent, uh, and probably Daphne joining us back again uh, next week. So uh, jam packed, jam packed. So that's all I got for today. Uh, so Johnny, we can say good night and God bless, and we'll see them uh, see them next week. And I'll leave you with my friend Gary Perella. From Charleston, South Carolina And his song, Save America And here we go I'm
1: praying for this land America America, the home of the free. But there are people making plans to change America. They've no respect for her, or what matters most to you. That's why I stand for the class, and I need of this love.